The Bike Riders is the motion picture event roaring into theaters June 21st. I built this club out of nothing. Inspired by true events, USA Today hails The Bike Riders as a must-see summer movie. Yeah, 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 yeah. Starring Jodie Comer. The club is changing. Austin Butler. Is that who we are now? And Tom Hardy. This is our family. Outsiders become legends. Yeah. The Bike Riders. Rated R. Under 17, not admitted without parent. Written and directed by Jeff Nichols. Only in theaters. June 21st. Up dog fella. Look good, feel good, play good. We got some new Adidas golf swag coming the fella's way. I don't know if any new golf swag would help your game, but, but I love it. Adidas is excited to introduce new offerings within the go-to apparel collection that allows you to bring your style to the golf course. Not the traditional golf uniform. Go-to brings a fresh attitude to the game wherever you play. You'll look good on and off the course while enjoying all the technical benefits that let you play your best. Featuring streetwear inspired style, the go-to collection rewrites all the rules and encourages you to express your style through every swing. Explore the new go-to collection on adidas.com slash golf. Fella. The, the one story I love, this Berkey would come into Portland to once a month to watch us play, right? He'd come in, he probably just flew from the West Coast. We'd get in there, and he'd have the tie around the neck, Berkey style. He'd be like, oh, but you, you got a chew? I said, yeah, Berkey, it's in, my, it's in my locker there. So he'd go in and take a chew. Next morning, every fucking time Berkey would do this, I come in and say, "Hey, check your stall there, Robes. A fresh new tin of school mint for for a kid that was in the minors, Berkey. That's classy. I mean, it, it made me feel unbelievable. So it's it's something I've always thought about you. I'm like, he didn't have to do that. So uh, from one chewer to another, I always appreciate that one, buddy. Well, I'll tell an Obi story. So I come into Hershey for that game seven, and I flew into you fly into uh, what's the state capital Harrisburg. And the flight was late. And I'm in Chicago looking at my watch going, geez, I'm going to miss this game. So I got there late in the first. And Obi's got this massive skate cut on his face. I go in the dressing room just to see what's going on. And I hear him yelling, hurry up, hurry up, <laughs> hurry up, goddammit. And so I look in the training room. And the doc's throwing in, like, how many did you get, Obi? 60? I got, yeah, by, by the end, it was, like, closer to 80. Yeah, it was a lot. Yeah, and he's yelling at the doctor, hurry up, I got to get out there, hurry up. And I was like, this kid's going to be all right. <laughs> and I can remember that morning waking up at 3 a.m. thinking I overslept. You're talking about thinking you overslept, like, for a meeting. Um, I thought I overslept for the parade because people were chanting E-A-G-L-E-S, like, at 100 decibels outside. It's 3 in the fucking morning. It's 4 in the morning. It's 5 in the morning. So when I tell you we woke up and had a good time, like I was on the George Clooney vodka. So we had like a bucket of ice and like five, we made like a cooler of Casamigos, you know, like, um, and it was just in one of those Gatorade things. Like that was the diet that morning. So by the time me and Lane, by the time me and Lane Johnson spoke, it was one of those moments where it was like, you step out over the ledge and you look out and there's, there's a million people out there. And you're like, I'm fucking blackout, and I got to talk right now. <laughs> <laughs> so that was the kind of day it was, man. And and um, and you know, um, that's that's the parade, man. That's what it's like. It's the best part of winning a championship. You know that Stanley Cup run for the Blues. Oh my God, I've never been more of a sports fan. 
you know, like, and, and knowing some of the guys and watching those same fans that would show up to the rink there to watch, they were the same ones at the Edward Jones Dome cheering for us when we were down. And, you know, baseball gets so much attention in St. Louis, and it should, but hockey is just electric there. And so, like, that run from all the unlikely situations, the dramatic goals, the beating Boston, no offense there, Broadway, but, like... So they bought me out, so it's all good. <laughs> <laughs> but, like, you know, like... like Boston's a blue blood, man. Like they're elites. Like they just win championships. And this St. Louis is a little mid midwestern town. It was like David versus Goliath, and the way that series played out. It's just as an athlete, bro. I get chills thinking about that run because it just they 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 found something deep in their gut. Bigger, I gotta tell the story here. We're 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 back down the junkie junkie in San Diego, and it's me and you at the back of the bus, right? So, bigger, bigger, <laughs> big, bigger, and had the seat that was was right beside the pisser. So he put his feet on top of my headrest, and I would sleep the other way. So at the start of the fucking road trip, and, and everyone's obviously know who's bigger. And bigger is like, any of you boys up there got a piss? You fucking piss right now, right? So about, <laughs> ten, about ten games in, twelve games in, Dally comes to me. He's like, hey, you gotta tell bigger to tell them that they're joking around because these guys are not taking pisses on the bus. They're gonna fucking piss their pants. <laughs> yeah, like a, you had like a lineup of like three or four guys, like just kind of on the tiptoes like this because they had to pee so bad. But like, man, there's nothing worse like when you're trying to shut her down. Oh, got fuck. guys are tapping your legs to move your feet. I just kind of got old by the like you know a month, two months in the season. I get on the bus or like, boys get your fucking pisses in now because the bathroom <laughs> closed for the next six hours. <laughs> I love it too. Bigger would just go, boys, like every every 30, 45 minutes, he'd be like, Big Obes, we there yet? <laughs> I'm like, No, eight more hours, big boy. <laughs> he goes, Be there yet? But um, it was you made it more enjoyable, bigger. I think having you down there and like Bix too, a veteran guy a lot more because yeah. fuck it was it was tough some days traveling down there yeah and it was and we locked out arguably i would say that would be a top five nhl city um yeah. locked out in the best american league city in the history of the american league yeah uh, it was amazing playing there but it just got kind of monotonous with that california you just play the same teams all the time and i think they fly now yeah, um, they, they fly now, but you know, you jump on the bus in San Diego and you got to bus up to San Jose and Stockton, and that you know, there's about a four hour stretch of that highway where that traffic doesn't move all day. And yeah, so the bus trips were, were long, but it was a super, it was a wicked year playing there. Like, oh man, I'm glad I got an opportunity to play there because that city's amazing. Um, yeah, you know, and the fan base was sick too. Um, Fuck! It was Friday nights were two dollar beer nights there. Remember how fucking pinned everyone would get in that bar? And you, <laughs> oh, we just yeah. Bix would go out there and get in a fight. You do your thing. It was just like I'm like this is fucking slap shot fucking free right here right now. <laughs> <laughs> I got a great story. So we're I'm playing in Vancouver and we're going into the Saddle Dome and poor Darcy Hordachuk. Eh? So we have a pretty tough team. We got Hordy, <laughs> myself, Glasser. So Bigger comes out with the fucking blonde mohawk, and he is just <laughs> drooling over the red line. And I mean, like, just not I'm, even looking out of pocket. I don't know if he, I don't know if he threw one sauce past the whole fucking warm up. He was just working the line. So we come in, we come in after warm up, and Hordy comes over to me. He's like. Hey, I think if we just let the big earn sleep tonight, he's not going to do anything. I'm like, did you see the guy out there? He's fucking jeweled over the red line. First shift, fucking with Grant and throw. So I knew, I knew you never lost your edge on that point. But that was the one story I always love telling about the big earn. I'm That's like, Cordy, 
you're not getting out of this fucking bar without fighting him. So <laughs> you should fight him for a shift because I'm not fucking fighting hey, him. So. We should just let him sleep tonight. Big boy, you see that guy? He's drooling over the red light. Like, hey, go. He ain't sleeping, but He's sleeping after he the game, sleeping. but he ain't sleeping. So, uh, Bigger, that was always one of the stories about playing against you that I loved. You got any good sleeping stories up? I got one I want to tell. Do you want to, you want to yeah, start Yeah, I can off? start off for sure. Um, I mean, as I, as I got older, Obes, I got to be honest, sleeping in, uh, wasn't so much of a problem as it was back in, you know, back in my early days. I used to like to get up by the end of it. And I realized as a pro, you know, if you want to stick around the league, can't be sleeping in for practice. It's frowned upon. But when I was in Florida, I was, <laughs> I was you know, up. there was some ups and downs. And, you know, I had Miami down south. I had you know, a lot, a lot of golf courses. I had Jimmy Hayes living across the street from me. You know, I had a nice penthouse there at the river, at Fuck, the river house. Ever. Uh, we were playing the Philadelphia Flyers and, um, you know, God rest his soul, Ray Emery was in town and uh, a couple of boys and we grabbed dinner and then we went out and you know, a couple beers and I brought back a little bit of little gathering back in my place. And uh, <laughs> I wasn't up too late, but I sure, sure as hell, you know, went to bed and was kind of kept up and, you know, yeah. I stayed up for a little bit longer. And then um, you were busy. I wake up to uh, the feeling is the worst feeling oh, on the planet. Man. I don't care if you're late for, uh, I mean, I was going to say like a doctor's appointment, but who cares? <laughs> Being late for the something where, yeah, well, yeah, where people are counting on you or, you know, yeah. you're accounted upon to be there. Um, and, you know, there's a professionalism to it. You know, I see my phone and I'm like, oh my God, I have 15 minutes to get to the rink and it's 40 minutes away, right? So I just <laughs> start flying. Well, Frosty and Moods, two, two, of my, two of the best trainers in the league call me and, well, I call them and I go, boys, I am going to be late. Take off my gear. This was a legendary move. Take my gear out of my stall, put it around, throw a couple sticks in my stall, make it look like I'm there. Take my, my bag like put someone's clothes in my fucking stall in my change room. So in the NHL, you have a change room and you have your dressing room. Well, in the change room, I'm like literally put someone else's jeans in my thing, rummage up the shoes, undo my laundry bag, bring me the laundry bag into the parking lot. <laughs> so they cut sure as hell. They what leave the, they leave the laundry bag out in the parking lot. Cause usually you have a team meeting, like, you know, uh, if practice is at 1030 in the morning, you got a team meeting at, 9.45, yeah. 45 minutes before practice yeah. usually. So I said, as long as I have another 15 minute window here that I got to just get my stuff on and walk in nonchalant, right? Sure as hell, get my stuff, put a, you know, rummage through, <laughs> leave my clothes in the car and walk right in like nothing happened, sit in my stall, tape my stick, pour a coffee, fucking good as new. And that, that's a fucking legendary story. And good, that's just a perk of playing in Florida because you can change the park a lot. If you're playing, <laughs> yeah. if you're playing, fucking, if you're playing in Edmonton, you're like, oh, boys, I don't know, throw my stuff in the hallway. But I mean, that's legendary ops. And that's just moods and frosty that are fucking absolute beauties. Broadway, you, I know you were an ultimate pro Broadway, but you got any sleeping in stories? Um, I was always so scared to be late because I always thought like I would lose my job. I never wanted to give management an excuse to send me down. Like I think I mentioned before, I think I was the only guy on a three-year deal making seven bananas that walked on eggshells every single day. But there was a time <laughs> that I was in Boston and uh, I might have had a late night with one of my buddies, Bolesky. And really? then we woke up and we we're like, holy shit, man, the plane's leaving in 30 <laughs> minutes. We got to figure out a way to get there. We get it. We just buzz around. We think it's one of those travel days. You kind of wear whatever you want on the plane. Show up, no bag. Had to go buy all new clothes out in California. But the most impressive part of the whole thing was 
had the late night. And then when the plane was leaving from Boston to San Jose and Bolesky and I slept the entire flight with a two hour pit stop in Omaha. I think the guys on the team thought we were dead. <laughs> That's just a good old fashioned shutdown. That's how you leave oh, it all out time. Boys, I had fucking more sleeping stories than I'm probably proud of. I, went through, I was like, fuck, I got a, I got a <laughs> well, few. I can think of a couple. I got a few here that, uh, and now up, you know, I, I can't sleep in now. It's I, great. I'd be fine now. Mornings sometimes I'm the up best. at fucking 730. Back mornings in the day the best. when I shut her down. I mean, so this was in the, this was my first year pro. So did you ever play in Salt Lake City? You guys, yeah, the miners? Yeah. yeah. Tough so, air up there. Yeah. So I, this was during the day. I went and had my morning skate, lunch, and then I went back to the hotel to shut it down. You know, they had those nice fucking... Blackouts. Blackout blinds, man. So I don't forget who my roommate was. But anyways, I, I shut her down. I don't hear my roommate leave. I wake up. I'll be, it's fucking five minutes before the meeting, before the game, right? The game starts in an hour and a half. So I throw on my suit. I get out of the hotel room. And the hotel in, in Salt Lake is right where the rink is. But there's like a parking lot that's probably like two football fields wide. And I'm in my suit and I start digging. I'm just digging, right? <laughs> and sure enough, fucking all-time beauty, Grant Fuhr is the goalie coach. Whitey. Yeah, Grant Fuhr is the goalie coach for Salt Lake. It's Phoenix's farm team. So I run by Fierzy. I'm like, fuck, Fierzy, how you doing, buddy? And he just yells back. He's like, don't worry, kid, could happen to anyone. And I just started <laughs> laughing. And that was like the one thing that um, he was like the perfect guy to run by uh, at that particular moment. But... I'm going to tell the story. So I go, this is how I met the fact daddy. So I go to Denver. I sign a one-year fucking deal. I take a little haircut. I wasn't making, I was going there. I'm like, I don't know anyone. This team was fucking terrible last year. Like, what the fuck? So I come in the room. And I know who Ryan O'Reilly is, but I've never met him or whatever. So I oh, there's O'Reilly Stall. And he's obviously, of course, he's upstairs in the gym, right? So the, the music's on. A factor comes down with this sick little flat brim hat on and fucking this side, like looking pretty juicy. I'm like, fuck, guy's got good style. And then finally I'm like, you know what, boys? Can I play some tunes here? Because this music's fucking brutal. Like, oh, yeah, go ahead. So I put on my morning jacket. And then I just look over and it's like, bum, 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 bum. And I look over at fucking fact daddy. He's in the corner going, bum, 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 bum. I'm like, hey, you want to grab lunch after practice or whatever? So that was when I was first like fact daddy. I think we might have a lot in common here, fella. Yeah, that's where it all started. I think it was, yeah, it was my morning jacket. I think once that uh, that came on, I think uh, it became tight right from that. Yeah, it was It was just a time. Yeah, it, it is a time. And it's the first time I ever got to meet him too was when you invited him to Bonnaroo. You're like, guys, the fact daddy is is a man amongst his years and he loves MMJ and you should see this guy bounce around like a concert. So, you know, if we need, if we, if, if we can add an extra guy and we will make room for a guy like Ryan O'Reilly, no matter when, um, he's coming. So that was the first time I ever got to meet him. And it was, I mean, good yeah, times that, ever uh, since that, uh, Bonnaroo ruined me, I think for <laughs> festivals. I don't think I can ever go to like another one, like just that setup and that whole thing. It was like the golf carts, are set up. We had the smoke machine, the lights going in, and they're just like right outside our bus. It was just. Well, yeah, but we also had entertainment because <laughs> you were there, bro. So. Yeah, and then Fact Daddy brought the old six string with him and started strumming it after late night when we're sitting on our bus with Long. We had Longer on a couple weeks ago, Fact Daddy, and he was, oh, yeah. he was talking about that. Like, you guys had the sickest setup. O'Reilly was playing the guitar. Like, the band would come hang out with us, certain guys. It was just like a little jam session. I, so I remember nice. Factor gave me, I can't play an instrument to save my life. So Factor gave me the, remember the little egg Factor? That's like, you're like, here, just, <laughs> just shake that, just shake that. A little I'm shaker? Like, oh, my God. The big man have any rhythm? Oh, yeah, he's got rhythm. You've have seen you ever, him at the club. Yeah, totally. <laughs> I was going to say, you ever seen him back in at a nightclub when he steps up on top of the couch and just gets moving? You're like, God damn, he still can move. The guy can still uh, move. I, I can dance. 
We got to bring up the fantasy too. Yeah, so fantasy factor. We got to talk fantasy football last year factor when I'm in Switzerland and you were you were still over here leading the charge. Go go okay, go. Okay, I'll, I'll tee it up. So fa- so fucking Larry Flowers thinks you threw the last week of fantasy football and dressed Drew Brees instead of or some the whatever quarterback. Oh, I put in. I think I put it was Allen. Josh Allen. Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. Josh, Josh Allen, Allen who absolutely Brees. fucks. We, we yeah. had, I won so much yeah. money on Josh Allen this year, but yeah, I'm a Bills fan too. And I put, I think I put Allen in. Perfect. I don't, so you know what? Yeah, like, there's not know. even a fucking debate. So, anyways, the Flowers is dumb, dumb. I'm like, first so, of all, fucking Ryan O'Reilly would not throw a fantasy fucking football game. And like, he's not, there's not a method behind his madness. And you just told us what the fucking reasoning was. So we can uh, finally put it to bed. Yeah. So I played him in the last week. Yeah. And he thought, and I needed to win to get in or something. And, fact that he was already leading the leading the league yeah so anyway he does what he does to his to his team and i'm like fuck i gotta get in here so i i line up my team i get in flowers who still got into the playoffs was upset that had i had you not taken out drew Brees, i guess i would not have gotten in and then fucking, I end up going and winning the whole thing. Yeah. Shockingly. So, so fact that he still hasn't paid. He still hasn't, <laughs> yes. he still hasn't paid. And the reason I brought it up is because of that reason alone. He hasn't paid, and he blamed. He thought that you and Uppy had a little side deal going on that you threw in Josh Allen to fucking fuck up the whole pool. I'm like, <laughs> the fact that he wouldn't do that. So flowers. We heard it from the factor. Pay your fucking bet. He still owes a thousand bucks ups. Yeah, he sure does. We'll get it off on this weekend. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Perfect. So, 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 so what do you want to talk right, about? Let's flowers. Talk about, what do you want to all talk your about? listeners out there, listen to me. Let's talk about. Unfortunately, they football. have to listen to you right now because you're talking on our podcast. <laughs> fantasy football. They could fast forward. They don't oh, want, you want to? They don't want to fast forward through this <laughs> because you guys took a shot at me with uh, with Fact Daddy on uh, the other day, and um, now it's time to speak. The truth. Well, we only took a shot at you because you owe someone a thousand dollars. You owe a thousand dollars, bro. Hey, so, who does he owe? And that's me. Okay, <laughs> up here. So here's which is going to go in the Mr. Curfew account. So it'll be great. <laughs> Everyone that listens to the show, you're caught up on what's going on here. Now it's my time. Here's the deal. It's the last week of the season. Uppy is ahead of me by literally like three points. Now, whoever wins, if we both win the last week of the, of the season, whoever has the most points. So basically if I, we both win and I have four points more than him, I get in the playoffs. Gotcha. So me, Cody, watch, and we see who, what guys put in what players on a weekly basis. I wake up the next morning, Cody, Cody and I had talked about this the night before, like, you know, what if, what if, what if Fact Daddy doesn't play certain players? Because Uppy needs the win, and he needs to outpoint me big time. Fact so Daddy, you're already thinking of ways to cheat. No. Yeah, no. he's a cheater. Fact Daddy <laughs> you're has, admitting right now Daddy, that you already thought of ways to, to cheat. Fact Daddy has Drew Brees, who's the best quarterback in fantasy football. He's got Julian Edelman. But why not, why not rest him? Hold, hold on, hold on. And he's got the Baltimore Ravens defense. Now, he played, he played his favorite team, the Buffalo Bills. Uh, Allen, quarterback, who Stop. he started. MVP. Yeah, yeah, he made me like 10 grand. He had a horrible year that year. He played him one time. 10 grand. One time during the regular season of fantasy football. <laughs> In the last week of fantasy football, he benches him for his best starting quarterback at home. Drew Brees is at home in the Dome. Instead, he plays Allen on the road in Baltimore against his own defense and then benches Julian Edelman for a receiver named Boyd, who went to Pitt, by the way, so I can't really bust his balls too much. But I don't think it's Fact Daddy. You play I don't fact to daddy. win the game. Now, uh, anybody, listen, <laughs> for those people out there that know, Uppy likes to win. You're a winner. Right there. Uppy, no, no, no. Oppie likes to win. 
It doesn't matter what it is. It doesn't matter if it's on the golf okay, course. Okay, so you or think it was more up each other factor? I have, and I and I didn't use my. What's I your so, source? Pull I it out. I have my. Who is it? I have no doubt that it's not Fact Daddy. He's a good guy. He loves you, Uppy. He, you, you called him. You asked him for a favor. I woke up the next morning. I noticed he benched his whole damn team, and that's called collusion. Now, I, me and Uppy. Is this true? This, this is, a is fact. not true. It's 100% fact, and listen to me. I need proof. Me and Uppy went at it. Exactly. I've never been in, a, I've never been in an argument. I've never been in an argument with Uppy in my life. We got in a full-on shouting match, match and then. And eventually, this I look is why, up. This is why and, he hasn't paid. And eventually, eventually, he's a cheap fuck eventually <laughs> I'm talking to Uppy, and I said this to him. I said, Uppy. What'd you say? I said, Uppy, you swear right now on our friendship. On our friendship. Wow, he's going friendship. You swear right now high, on our friendship. High school stuff. Man, it's fingers that, crossed. That you didn't do that. Swear. And you didn't. <laughs> I didn't. I, I could swear right now. I did not call and he him. he didn't. I was in Switzerland sleeping, yeah. not even paying attention. All of a sudden, I'm kicking this motherfucker's ass. Yeah. And so, so yeah. anyway, and then I happened to win the whole fucking so thing. He would have not have won so the story goes, well, What is the story? The story goes, I would have not only made the playoffs, but the breakdown, fact, I would have won the whole damn thing. Your and then these guys were calling me your trying to get my $1,000. But you got to win the playoffs. I was colluded against. It's illegal. Anybody that follows fantasy football knows. Place all year. I had. The, I went on a run, five game winning streak at the end. My team was buzzing. I had sick running backs, and then this guy comes along. And did we tell else? you? Did I tell the story of when you slept slept in for uh, Fred Couples' fucking tea time? No, you didn't. Go ahead. It was, tell a, it. It was a Saturday, couple, probably five summers ago, when Freddie just joined our club at Big Canyon. Yeah. And I had a party. I was living at Cam Fowler's place in the summer. Yeah. Sick pad. Thanks, Cam. And he had the NBA jam in the back. Yeah, we boys. Yeah. He's heating up. He's, He's on heating fire. Up. <laughs> uh, anyway, uh, we have a party. Oops, you're upstairs. Passed out in one of my rooms. But I'm like, I'm going to get this guy up ah, in the morning. We got, a, we got a tea time at like 8.30 Sundays, which is a tea time now that we actually enjoy and we yeah, make all the time. Love it. But fuck, boys. You should have seen me trying to get Obes out of this bed. First off, I, I can understand why you would want to stay in bed with whoever was there with you. But I'm like, oh, so we're literally golfing with Fred Couples. Like, this is your idol. Yeah. Get up. I'll throw you in the shower. I got your golf clothes here. You're like, fuck off. I'm, I'm not getting up. <laughs> so fuck sure as shit, I'm like, I ain't leaving here without you. Like, you're fucking coming. So it took me a while, maybe a little cold shower too. That, that was the first story. The second one at Shinnecock, which was... Okay, this that's is Jim, all time. Yeah, tell this one too. But that's Jim. This is Jim Cantaloupe's fault. But yeah. continue on with the story. We had, we're in beauty. He wasn't we're in golfing. Montauk. This is probably five years ago now. We're in Montauk on a on a July Fourth like fucking bender. bender. Yeah, ten days in Montauk. Uh, epic epic place for you know for food dinners parties a couple house parties we went to <laughs> anyway we got a house it's a sick house <laughs> we stay up one night super late hot tub whatever and. Uh, we're, we had a tea time. Him, Loops, and I are meeting our boy Billy Quinn's buddy at Shinnecock, which is about an hour drive, and we got a Tesla. <laughs> so someone's getting fucked asleep or like sitting in the back seat. But I, I wake up two hours before we got to leave because I'm just like, I'm getting up. I'm fresh. I'm, you know, fresh as a daisy. All I needed was like three hours of sleep. And I start by waking up Obes. I know Loops. He, he'll get up for anything. I start waking up Obes every 20 minutes I'm going in the room. And it's, I'm just making sure he's alive for what. And then I'm like, all right, bud, we got, we're leaving in 20. We're leaving in 20. I said it like 10 times. 
And sure enough, finally, I had to get the bucket of water. And I'm like, he's not going to, he's going to kill me if I don't get him up to play Shinnecock, right? So I just fucking launch this bucket of water on him and he he freaks out, like almost beats me up. And then, and then, so we get it together, jump in the car. What we don't realize is the stupid Tesla's fucking battery, right? So there is not one battery station from us to Shinnecock, and we're on like now we're rolling the dice. Now I'm we're like, rolling if the this dice. This car fucking dies, boys, and I'm playing in the back here. Obi's laying Shinnecock. in the back of this small Tesla S, whatever fifty, and he's got his legs out the window, and he's just he's sleeping the whole way. So we get to the we get to the clubhouse, we park, cat like the the caddies or whatever meet us at the car, grab our clubs. Obi just fucking it was like he, a bear waking up for hibernation. He just gets up. He's like, oh. And then, so it doesn't say a word. He's got that look on his face. We're like, oh, just let him go. He's going to go grab a coffee. We walk into this clubhouse. It's a hundred, over a hundred years old. And we walk into the men's room and we're like, holy shit, look at around. Like it's all kept classic old school. First thing Obes does is just smash the door open. I got a shit. Like, <laughs> <laughs> get out of my way, boys. I got to take my morning crunch here. Heads off, right? So we go hit balls. I'm so fucking drunk. I'm hitting a wedge. I'm hitting my good. So I get to the range. The boys are like, how are you doing, Obes? I'm like, I'm fucking in one, bro. Like, I'm in one. Oh. So Jimmy Cantaloupe the night before, up he goes to bed. And Cantaloupe's like, it's me, Cantaloupe, and a few other people. And Jimbo, I'm like, I got to go to bed, Jimbo. And he's like, oh, what? You're playing Shinnecock. What, are the greens there better than somewhere else? I'm like, yeah, they <laughs> yeah, fucking they are. are better. It's like top five <laughs> course. Better. It's a fucking sick track. So anyways, Jimbo, it's my own fault. But Jimbo talks to me to stand up late. Broadway, I'm hitting wedges on the range. 120 yards i can't see the ball like it hits my club i can't see it so get to one make par get to two make birdie, birdie yeah get to wow. three make par again and the boys are like okay i'll settle down I'm like boys don't worry it's fucking coming to an end here i think i shot like fucking 90 or something was, the wheels are coming off quick it was it was the year before the u.s open there too it was badass it was badass yeah but the so we go to fast forward we go to montauk the next year and we got national lined up right and Lupo is so gung-ho to go play national. Like, he doesn't go his backs in once. So he doesn't come to dinner. Me and Uppy get fucking pinned. And at about fucking 1.30, I look it up. And I'm like, we're not golfing, are we? He's like, fuck, no, we're not golfing. So Lupo wakes up in the morning and Lupo just texts the boys. He's like, what the fuck's going on? And me and Uppy are out cold. Wake up. He was so bitter. He was oh, like, yeah. we'll, never get, we'll never get a chance to get on national. We'll never get a chance to get on national again. We're like, fucking relax, Lupo. We'll get back on national. Yeah, yeah. So we learned our lesson the second time. Anyways, totally. So well. I, I'll just I call my brother. My brother's got a hook up at that track. Trump National, he'll get us out there. Yeah. No, it wasn't Trump National. No, it, was, it was the it was national, national National Golf Club. Yeah. It's, oh, it's over. badass. Yeah, yeah. No, <laughs> it, Loops was actually not far off. It's a sick, no. <laughs> sick track. And once you blow one invitation, you usually don't get the second. But we got there. We got there. But yeah. in Loops's defense, it was a great track. But fuck, we were having a time. Yeah. Right? I wasn't ready to go to bed just yet. So, Dobbs, <laughs> I, owe you an, I owe you an apology. Um, I slept in. As you can tell, my boy, William Scotty Upshaw. That was two stories. I'm sure he's got about 20 of them. So. <laughs> The segment is brought to you by Good Life. What's that promo code up, dog? Promo code CURFEW20. Visit our friends at Good Life at www.goodlifeclothing.com. Curfew 20. Buddy, I used to love snapping it around. Me and Obes love talking about snapping it around, like hard, crispy passes. And speaking of crispy, our centerman that we had, Kyle Brads, yeah. <laughs> like, what a good line. What a good combo. In practices, okay, so it's slushy. I can't handle the puck. Neither can Revo. So we're like, hey, Brody, Crispy, don't fucking pass us the puck today, right? You're going to do the shooting. you got to do the carry and the puck over the line. But, um, fuck, we had we had. Hey, do you, you remember how he got that nickname? 
No, but I'd love to hear it because no, I fucking forget everything. So I, I can't remember where we were. I think we landed in Florida, maybe, and we all went out uh, and we started playing What Are the Odds. And so remember we had uh, so crispy. It was I can't remember who it was, but said, "What are the odds that every time you snap a pass tomorrow, you <laughs> yell crispy?" And you know, sure enough, he fucking loses. So all all fucking practice. <laughs> Didn't you have to rifle pucks at Hitch all practice too? Oh yeah, yeah. That he would like Hitch would skate around super slow in the middle of the ice, and it was like a competition. If you, if you lost that game, it was to hit Hitch with a bunch of pucks. Like. But, I, but I think that was your. I think that was your loss. That, I think that was my loss. Yeah. Hitch all practice. Totally. Oh fuck. Skeeter, Skeeter almost had to sh- almost had to shave his whole bucket too. You would, so you guys no, know the man. game? Do you guys no, know the no. game? What's this game? So, Revo, explain what are the odds. But you know what you pass the ace when you all get yeah, on the bus. Yeah, chase the ace. So, chase the ace is when, you know, to our listeners, when you get off the bird, you all jump on the bus. Uh, you know, you got a 45-minute in, ride into the hotel. Get a thing of cards, and you pass the ace. Loser, fucking, or the winner. We're last guy in would win all the cash. Yeah, yeah, chase the ace. This is a similar thing, but it's more of like a, like a, ga- well, like a dare game almost. Yeah, it's more like a dare game. So, I would say... I would say, what are the odds you slam that beer right now? <laughs> and fucking so pretty good. <laughs> it's, it's, from, it's from one to fifteen. So if it's you know if Uppy's a little bitch and doesn't like to slam beer, which okay, so he did it for free. But <laughs> <laughs> okay, so let's say it's like uh, you know something that you don't want to do. What's the, what's the odds you chug that ketchup bottle? Let's say. So you would it's go it's between one and fifteen or sorry two and fifteen. You gotta say. If it's something you really don't want to do, you say a number closer to 15 or 15. Oh, I know if it's something, no problem, like slamming that beer, you can go to two, or you can say something closer to two. So then I'll go one, two, three, and on three, we both say a number between one and 15. If I hit the number that you were thinking of, you have to do it. If I don't, then it's just over. But if I go, if, if you say between one and two, then that means one of us is doing it no matter what. So like, as, as the night goes on and boys get a little more banged up, you start getting closer to A little to cockier. Two. I remember we had uh, we had Bobo. No, no, we had uh, Els. I don't know if you were there yet. But we had uh, Brian Elliott. He had to, we were at this restaurant, and he had to go up to this uh, table of girls and just grab the ketchup bottle, <laughs> slam a little bit of ketchup, look at the girls, be like, mmm, tomatoes. And like, hey. the thing is, you're not allowed to say anything. Like, you can't say, hey, I'm playing a game, so it's got to be like, you just got to do it and shut the fuck up. That's great. See, you know you're on all t- beauty teams when they, like, you do some of this shit. Yeah, right? yeah, that's fun shit. I love watching Uppy play, right? I watched St. Louis games when he was there, and you guys were there together playing the same line, and I, I like busting his balls, but... You're not tough, but man, were you tough? <laughs> I will fuck you up brother. right here. You're not that? tough, but you would be so tough out there when you when you. I, guys... had, I had the sec- I had the second and third toughest guys in the league. <laughs> 100%. You always have. It's, I, a, it's a great role. I'm telling you, it's a great role. And I, then if you yeah, put a couple yeah, yeah. biscuits in it. that, fuck, it's all good. I love baby. watching you play up here, just just being who you are and just go full up, dog. Always looking over your shoulder. We're, we're, we're Revo. The best we're thing. Revo. Hey, the best thing about playing too with Revo is when we had Hitch as our coach, right? Right. We, no matter what we did out there, we always fucking tried hard, right? We were always like, if if we were, you guys fucking, had a great if we fucked line. shit up, Revo, great fourth We would back check hard, and we would try to kill guys, and we would try to not take penalties. I would take a lot, but um, <laughs> but but Hitch, we'd turn around if Hitch was giving it to us, we'd be like, fuck you, Hitch. All right, we're trying, we're fucking trying out here. That was the best thing about Hitch is like, he was he was the guy. I talk shit to like to the point where it's like. Man, you just gotta shut up. Please just shut up. But 
if you gave it back to him, he loved it. He loved like, it. I, I remember, I remember, I don't know if you were there or not. It was the, Yosey was the assistant. So you were there. Yeah, I was there. Yeah, I was you there. been there, yeah. So we come off from a shift and I think I turned it over and they had a couple scoring chances and I sit down. So I'm all the way at the very end on the, on the left side and Hitch is just fucking screaming. Reno, you gotta get the fucking fuck out of I'm honest with myself up so like i'll say yeah okay my bad my bad but he kept cheek right a little cheek right a little bit now i'm sitting again fuck me. It's like, Mitch, yeah, i heard you i know i'm sorry my bad cheek right one more time now he's right in front of me Rino, did you hear and I, I was like it's the only time i've really snapped i turned around and i grabbed him by the tie i was like if you don't shut your fucking mouth i'm gonna strangle you with this fucking tie and it, like, the anger in my face when I said it was real, and then I said it way. I was like, "Oh shit!" Oh, shit. <laughs> like, I was a little nervous. So like, I didn't know what was gonna happen. So like, I, the next day we get to practice, and Yosi comes up to me. He's like, "Hey, you probably can't say that to a coach and grab his pilot." Like, yeah, you're right. He's like, "You should probably go apologize." Yeah, you're right. So I go in to Hitch's office. Hey, Hitch, uh, you know my bad. I didn't mean to grab your tie and say that. He's like. <laughs> don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. It's that's exactly right. And I was there. Me and Brody were like, oh, <laughs> we were dying. That's gonna be the best hitchhiker. Should we need a new line? You did a great, a great oh, hitch. Fuck. That's good. Oh, that's yeah, the best that's one. a good hitch. Otter does a good one too. I mean, yeah, he does. Great. Yeah. Listen, buddy. You know, now that I see you out there today, I saw you come out with the 92 on. And listen, uh, the one thing I was a little upset about is you had your bucket on. I wanted you to come out there. I know it's practice, but did it put one party? I want to be like, I got to get this bucket off because it was a pretty cool setting for you guys today. Yeah, it was. And you know what? There's, you know, I, I was a little young at the time. And I, I actually remember, I mean, what was that you were there? You were there 11, 12, 12, 13. And I remember my second year, I was coming up on like 100 and. 100, 120 games, and I was talking to Obi. I'm like, I'd always see Obi out there without his bucky on, and he's like, you know what? You get an exception. Take your helmet off. <laughs> Obi was the one who talked me in to take my bucket off, and I'm very thankful for it to this day. It's it's a it's a good part of the game to be out there with the, the flow going. I'm like, listen, you're one of our best players. You're an absolute beauty, and you're fucking good looking. Take that bucket off. <laughs> yeah. You might save us a little escrow money here. Oh, man, this is when... So this would have been 2017 when I went to New Jersey on a PTO and they were just starting to change like the rules, like the stupid slash and penalties. Mm -hmm. So I get my first game in there. Obviously, I'm a little nervous. Get on the ice 10 seconds in. Minor slash and penalty. I'm like, yeah, you're kidding me. Get out of the box. Go off, take a face-off. Face-off violation. Because remember they were doing the face-off <laughs> violation? I got a face-off violation penalty. So now I'm at two. Now we get to the second period. I take a hook. Three penalties, third period, I took a little rough and penalty. Four minor penalties in one game. I called my agent after. I was like, Bob, you got to call a new team because there's no way I'm making this team. <laughs> but even uh, Ray Shiro was laughing his ass off. He was just like, I mean, yeah, it's, you got to be the test dummy. But wow. the, if they're going to call the game like that, it's going to be a long year. That's a tough feel knowing you're on a fucking PTO. Four hey, Mr. Hey, Mr. PTO, worse, if you boys. get four minors, you're like, yeah, well, I'm going fucking back to the junkie. Uh, I thought my I was going home. Just give our listeners, yeah. yeah, you did something that's fucking National League, beyond National League. Yeah, so, geez, Obes, it's been a couple of weeks since we got back from McKenna. Uh, at McKenna, I got I got to know Michael Melman, who is the, you know, he's the pioneer and the visionary of what's Discovery Land Properties. And for those of you who don't know what Discovery Land Properties are, there's about 23 private club uh, membership-based 
um, kind of like landmarks all throughout the world. And we've been to a bunch. A bunch of our friends own them. A bunch of good hockey players live uh, live at a couple of them. Gaza Ranch in particular, which is um, up in the hills on the lake in, in Coeur d'Alene, Idaho, near Spokane. And uh, anyway, I... Uh, I had a first work trip. I went out to Baker's Bay, which is in Bahamas. Um, I went out with my boss, JJ, and one of our close friends, Craig Manchester and his family. Craig was going out there to look at a property. Of course he was. So, uh, yeah, so so we flew out. Uh, we did a little bit of golfing. We got to know the area. It actually got hit by Hurricane Dorian about two years, a year and a half ago. Kind of wiped out the whole, uh, the whole island, which was devastating. There's still palm trees and some boats kind of, you know, and debris kind of on their property. Some, you know, it's, it's devastating to see, obviously, a country to have to go through that with not much, you know, not much money supplied to them in, in, you know, relief funds and whatnot. So it was, it was crazy, but it was, it was a really, really fun trip. Um, highlight of my trip while I was at Baker's Bay was getting my hair cut by Tom Brady's hairdresser. Always goes back wow. to his hair, doesn't yeah, totally. it, Broadway. Always goes back to his hair. This, this gentleman, Peeney, who is just an absolute legend, had his, had his clippers there, uh, went over to his house and uh sat in a chair like right looking at the ocean and shit he cut my hair and made it look i'm like can you make me look like tom brady (laughs) well (laughs) i mean you look good i I know i won't have seven (laughs) seven rings and a and and a smoking hot supermodel wife but uh you know if you can you got more kills kills than him (laughs) 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 so that was a super that was that was a highlight there but then you know man i got to go play golf and uh in South Florida at Jupiter, where a lot of golfers live, with uh, with Air Mike, Michael Jordan yeah, himself, the goat. the goat. And guys, I got to tell you, I played 36 with him. And, you know, I don't want to give too much away, but this guy is everything you can think he is. He's he's humble. He's he's super badass. Treats everyone I saw with the utmost respect. You, you, I mean, you look at the guy, you see greatness. You fucking almost smell greatness. But you know, oh, he smells rich, doesn't hey, it? Yeah, he, <laughs> hey, he smokes cigars, hits golf balls over. You know how hard it is to hit a golf ball with a fucking huge stogie in your mouth. Yeah, I can't do it. It's impossible. Yeah, he hit every shot with a stogie, man. He he got up and down from everywhere. He absolutely kicked my ass. So I got to put myself on the milk carton for for the weekend because um, he threw seventy six, seventy three at me, Jimmy. Wow. It was wow. it was impressive. But um, you know, he, he'd get up to the tee. Kind of, you know, tell, tell a little story. Um, but just the confidence, like he, he actually, at one point I was on the green, I had like a, maybe a five foot birdie putt on a par three and I was playing like shit and, uh, he misses the green. So finally I'm like, I'm going to get a shot back here. Right. I was down probably two going into like 13 or 14 and he's got a bunker in front of him and then about a 30 yard, uh, you know, green to work with to the pin. And all of a sudden I'm, I'm standing up on my putt and I see the caddy, like take the pin out. I'm like, what the fuck? Fucking Nicholson style. So I'm looking at Jordan and I see him just a couple practice swings, steps up and throws a fucking nasty chip to about a foot. <laughs> and I start laughing and he's, he's kind of got the swag and he played tunes all day and he had a huge uh, boom box in his cart and played tunes all day. It was, it was so badass. And uh, I go to the caddy. I'm like, why the fuck did you pull the pin? He's like, he gave me the look. I'm like, what look? He goes, it's a look he gives me when he fucking, he takes the stogie out of his mouth and kind of throws his head to one he's side. A signal. And it's a signal. <laughs> and he's like, I know right then and there that it's uh, it's my duty to take the fucking pin out. Pull the and fucking b- pin. It was, it was just, it was something special to watch. So I'm down, you know, I was down three. He closes me out on 17. We get to 18. He's looking at me. He's like, 
I'll take whatever kind of press you want. Yeah, I, <laughs> I'm like, all right, fucking press, let's go. And I ended up, we both made par on 18, so yeah. I didn't lose that much more. But it was, it, his course, Grove 23, private club, 87 members. Um, you know, Keith Yandel's a member, our boy Yens. And yep. uh, Clark MacArthur, who has played golf with Jordan for, for years, is also a member. So I saw Keegan Bradley, big fan of the yeah, pod. Keegs, we're going to get Keegs on. Um, a lot of pro golfers out there. The practice facility is unbelievable. Um, and it was a work trip. It was a great work trip. So. Was it though? Was it a work trip? It was, was it? a fucking work trip. <laughs> oh, it doesn't sound like a fucking work trip to me, does it? Yeah, it sounds like an unbelievable <laughs> vacation and a dream come true to me. But yeah, it was. Hey, it work was. trip it is. Up dog, I don't want to get you in trouble, but you did send me a little video. That was like, okay, right? Like, or is that frowned upon? I don't want to get you shit here, but... Jordan had the cargo shorts on. What is he just carrying those fucking Benjamins? Is that just full of money he's or what? Cigars? He's got everything in there, doesn't he? He says, yeah, they sell, <laughs> the pro, they sell them in the pro shop. Fuck it. So, yeah, you sent me a little video. I hope I don't get you in trouble. But his swing looked just like silky. I mean, that's an unbelievable story. Who was more fun to play with him or Phil? I know you had a good time playing with Phil too. but uh, 100% Michael Jordan. Yeah, He's yeah. the most badass human on planet Earth. He played tunes all day. And I swear, once one out of every three or four songs, you'd hear like fucking, you know, it would be him in the song. It would be fucking, they'd be talking about Air Mike. <laughs> so, yeah, 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 Air yeah. Jordan. When people are jumping, jumping, jumping. It's like, fuck, you're just the best shit ever. Yeah, right? that's unbelievable. So um, good for you. So it's nice to be back in the studio, boys, with you guys. But hopefully, you know, you got to get MJ back, right? That's the first time you got to play with him again, get that money back. I left him a note because yeah. he, he had to take off. I said, you know, thanks for having me. Your place, your place you built here is awesome. Um, I need a better partner than my boss, JJ, when I come back. <laughs> and here's here's the money I lost, and I'm coming back for it at some point. So, But my rookie party was in Dallas, and we had an unbelievable start. Remember, we won you know 10 or 13 straight to get it going, and I was lucky enough to sit in the corner with Flash and Getsy and Prongs was over there. So I just remember I was at my rookie dinner at, what's the state called in Dallas? Earl and Sam's or Sam's? And uh, it's... Yeah, yeah. Um, Nick and Sam. Nick and Sam's or something yeah, like that, right? Yeah, so I'm like having a great time. I just enjoyed it. And this beauty over here orders two steaks. He had like the, the rib on. <laughs> Do you remember that? I'm like, I'm like, what a legend. I'm like, boys, pens, table just ordered two yeah. steaks. That's fucking nationally moved right there. And the lobster tail. Yeah. And, I, and, and I, I, I used to order one Louis thirteen. Yeah, she did. And then, you know, we had shots yeah. with the rookies, and, and uh, obviously that was like 2,500 20, uh, bottle. <laughs> but, uh, and then I always offered that uh, one of the yeah. rookies, but they never wanted to take it, so I kept it. <laughs> <laughs> Have another. Yeah, exactly. oh, good. Okay, I'll take another. Actually, the first, first year after the season was like, there's three charity things that I promised to go. So Wednesday I went there, I, I told my wife I'm going to drive, because so, I made a few. few few cocktails whatever yeah, glass of wine. but uh, but so it, it ended up having a great night i <laughs> left my car in the valet take a uber home then next day it was another event there and said you know what i'm not i'm not gonna drink anything tonight well i left another car there. <laughs> <laughs> so, so then friday i said you know what I, i'm tired and of course a couple, after a couple of drinks it's fun again i left the car there again <laughs> so then Saturday I told my family okay we all go my two boys were driving so I said uh, okay whole family we go to dinner and then I, when we pulled in the uh, valet the guy said uh, Mr. Salana you know you still have a three cars here right? <laughs> <laughs> I said I, I do that's why I brought the whole family so we can drive everybody home I have a question for you guys yeah, do you yeah. guys what do you now that you're not in the league anymore you've that, do you guys miss the competitive outlet or 
the extracurricular lifestyle more? What would you say? Your it, it's individual because like for yeah, me, yeah. I asked the reason I asked. I can play guitar my whole life, probably even. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you know, can. What I mean, there isn't a body thing because like an athlete, you got like what you got your like fifteen years. Yeah, if you're lucky, that, and then, yeah. if you're lucky, yeah. so and that's what is it like? Like, do you miss the competitive edge? Like, how do you get your competitive rocks? Off? Yeah, you, you can't. Uh, <laughs> yeah, well, it's tough I, to do in the bedroom. Fuck, we play. <laughs> <laughs> but it's, it was you're sending it, each other snap It's impossible, especially how hard right? I used to go on the course. Yeah, or on, right? the, on the fucking yeah. On yeah, the golf, golf on the isn't the same. Golf, we play pickleball. I'll go first up. For me, not. I don't really miss the competitive edge to it. To be honest, I, yeah, when sure. I was done, That's I was done. Was yeah. I miss the extracurricular. You know, yeah. I miss flying into the You know what? You stuck me as that way. Yeah, I, I like, miss yeah. fucking, yeah. you know, after the game, fucking being in New York City, going out after. I, I miss all that stuff. But I don't miss getting hit with a puck, getting hit with a stick and punched. Nah, when I was done, I was like, this guy still dreams about hockey, so maybe he does. Sure. I don't, he I said don't. to me yeah. last night, he wants to start playing again. I know. Oh. He says that all the time. Same. He ain't fucking playing anymore. <laughs> <laughs> maybe in your you Monday night, he'll play with you guys. But. <laughs> I miss everything about it. Yeah. I miss the scheduling. Yeah. I miss showing up in the mornings, having coffee with the guys, shooting the shit about anything and everything. Yeah. Uh, I miss being able to hit a guy whenever I want or fucking slash <laughs> yeah. him whenever I want. Yeah. Yeah. Slash he, him. Even in, even in practice, like, fuck it. The guy, if I'm pissed off, I'm going to fucking do something about it. So there is so there is a thing called playing guilty then in, in music too. Oh, absolutely. Right? For sure. Yeah. yeah. We... For sure. Miss curfew is a little thing here saying, well, what's missing curfew? It's when you, you know, kind of play guilty, but you show up. Yeah. Put your fucking boots on. What do you mean by that? Play guilty. Like, like so hungover you, you or just you're late. And then you, you, you know, you probably right before might've got out of hand. Yeah. You weren't doing yeah. your best to be a, you know, semi-professional. Uh-huh. Right. And, right. uh, you got to do more the next day to, you know, show your team that you're all in. Oh, you're I not see. just, yeah. you know, there was always a curfew for like, the better pros, I guess I would say, right? The curfew the coach would give you. And then there was a curfew for us guys, all right? Like, night before a game, you're not going to stay out. Unless maybe I was playing against him. And then I'm like, all right, it's the one exception. I'll stay without you till 4 o'clock. But yeah, so I, like, I had my guy. You go to dinner, you go out. It's midnight. It's 1230. If you don't got a girl with you or whatever, like, ah, fuck, I better go to bed, right? Like, that's yeah. kind of how it worked. And then only special occasions, you'd really take it to the next stretch. And that's called playing guilty kind of thing. I've never played for him, but I've just heard so many hilarious stories. And one that stands out was Matthew Lombardi, who um, played for him in Calgary. He had Prust and he had Nigel Dawes in Calgary. Anyway, he had a bunch of guys that that I played with in Phoenix. And he'd come on the bus, in particular after this one game, and and the guys played like shit. No one was hitting anyone, and they knew he was going to fucking do something. So gets on the bus, last guy, starts walking down the fucking aisle, passing the rookies, staring at everyone. And then as he kind of got towards the vets in the middle of the bus, he started fucking smashing his head on where you put the compartment where you put your jackets and your and your bag. And he just continually just fucking smacks his head and does it like 10 times. Finally, they're like, stop, would you stop? He's, he's like, if none of you are going to fucking hit anyone, I'll just fucking hit myself. Like, like so... Good on him. Hopefully, he fucking bangs his head on the bus a few more times. Maybe that'll That's wake unbelievable. up. Unbelievable. Maybe that'll wake up the boys in Calgary. But well, just uh, fucking hit myself. <laughs> um, so you, you know what it's like, boys. You get those old school guys. They got all their tricks up their sleeve for how to get the boys fired up, and and uh, you know Daryl's definitely one of them. So oh, it's a great story. 
the thing about the story about uh, Zenit Konopka. So we're in the conference finals, Maggie. You remember this? We're in the conference finals. Yeah. We lose game one to Hershey, and obviously our mentality then was let's go get in a brawl. So I go out and try to fight somebody. Konopka goes out and try to fight somebody. Gillies goes out and tries to fight somebody. So Konopka had left the room. We come in, and Kevin Dineen, your boy Dino's like, you know, you got to lose with class and win with class, and we didn't lose with class. And then Tim Brent stayed up and stood up and said, like, yeah, it's a fucking joke what O'Brien and Konopka did, and fucking Gillies, like, we got to be pros here. So Knopper and PA were living together, so they catch wind of it. I'm back at my house, and I live in the same condo as Tim Brent, and I'm having a glass of wine with my girlfriend Anna at the time, and I hear a... <laughs> and it's fucking Konopka and PA. Konopka's like, where's Brenter? What fucking condo does he live in? I'm fucking fighting him. I'm like, calm down. Calm down. First of all, you can't fight our second line center in the Eastern Conference Finals. And yeah. you just can't fight anyone. Have a glass of wine. But that was the type of guy he was, eh, PA? You talk about the jungle, right? So the third year, me and Mango are back down in the jungle the third year. We got Konopka, me and him. And our room is whatever. But so we talked to Dino. We're, we're roommates on the road. You remember we're roommates on the road, Mago? Yeah. So I'd bring my little weed fucking whatever. I, I'd bring my little, like, I don't think it was like a one-hitter back then. You remember the ones you got? A little cigarette. But. A little cigarette thing. So me and Mago, we'd get <laughs> yeah. in the room. I'd put the towels down on the fucking door and everything, and we'd hit the one-hitter. Every, didn't, like, 15 minutes later, PA would be like, I hear someone open. I hear someone. It's the coach, I think. It's the coach. She's like, you know, and we would just fucking die laughing. Do you remember that, Mago? <laughs> Oh, yeah. <laughs> that was good. <laughs> oh. I want to ask you about another former teammate of yours. We had him on, um, the Big Earn. I know we know he has a great role with your with your organization. Now, with COVID, I'm not sure how much you get to see him, but just what Big Earn means to you as a friend and what he's done for your organization in Calgary. Yeah, he's, uh, he's obviously doing a great job. Uh, I think uh, he, he's been more on the development side lately because Ray Edwards – uh, who was head of development, has been the assistant coach ever since uh, the coaching change last year uh, from um, Bill Peters to Jeff Ward. And so he's been working more on the development side. But uh, with COVID, he hasn't been around us much or at all. I haven't really seen him around the rink. I know he does uh, most of his work with Stockton. And, you know, um, you know, having a guy like him around is always great. You know, he's always happy. He's always chirping. He's always, <laughs> you know, uh, he's always got a, a story to tell, uh, you know, that's entertaining. And I love hearing him. Uh, me and him talk uh, every day for sure. You know, whether it's just him sending me some, uh, you know, messed up picture. He sent some fucked gift. up things over. Yeah, he, he sends the most to the text. Up sense of humor, but it's, uh, you know, you, you love it. But um but you know what? Um, hey, big boy. Me and him have been friends for, what, 11 years now? I remember, you know, he came to Boston actually on a trial in 2010. Uh, Peter Shirelli brought him there because Peter had him in Ottawa here. Um, and and uh, actually, Big Earn didn't have a place. He was at the hotel, and he, and he kept, in Big Earn style, he kept, you know, saying how painful it was to be <laughs> at, the, at the hotel. So I actually let him. I actually had a pretty sick, uh, I had a, I had a 2000 square foot, three bedroom, one floor apartment in the North end in, in sick Boston. Unit. Yeah, it was, it was a sick spot. So I was like, you know, I'm just here with Brit. Come on over if you want to live with me. So I let him shack up with me for, what was it? I think two months and, uh, fucking guy never left his room though. And he just <laughs> stayed in his room and played call of duty Fuck. all the time. I think that's when the first black ops ops came out and he literally, just sat in his room and then go down to <laughs> Cafe Victoria and get a tiramisu and come back. That's what he loved about oh. the North End. But 
Yeah, me and him have been close and friends ever since. And, um, you know, another, you know what, he was another guy that called me lots about, you know, waving to come to Calgary. And he said how much I'd really enjoy it. And I got to say, you know, I, I've, I've really, really enjoyed the transition from Edmonton to Calgary, not just from a hockey and organizational standpoint, but also, you know, I, I really love the city. Um, it's been great to, to me, me and the family. Uh, so it's, it's, it's been a really good, good, good place for me mentally and professionally. The big urn doesn't mind hibernating though, Luch. You're right about that. He would come in. <laughs> Is that where you get it from? Oh, oh fuck. That he, might be where you get it he from. He would lay on the fuck in the hotel room in Cowtown. I'm like, you want to go for a walk? Fuck that big boy. I'm fucking shutting her down all day. I'm like, and then he got up in he the likes morning. He a good three, four hour nap. He though. loves a good nap. And then he got up in the morning, get on the bus, Luch. He's like, fuck, my back's tight. I'm like, well, you just laid in the hotel bedroom for fucking <laughs> 16 hours straight. <laughs> Updog, how's your golf game, buddy? Living on uh, LA. It's pretty Cali. The golf game. It could be better. <laughs> no, I lost. I, I ended up losing six hundred bucks Friday. Just I got steamrolled by Obi. And I'll the step. Boys. Yeah, we did get steamrolled. Well, Hartsy, his biggest problem is he's on his phone the whole fucking round, right? So the first, <laughs> I'm working. I'm always the, hates. the first nine, he's <laughs> all right. Hartsy. Then the back nine, he's. He, but you should see how far this guy's fucking hitting at Hartsy. He, he's hitting it like I'm not lying, like three forty. You're hitting it longer than when you played. I don't know. What it is, but it's all on the hips, bird yeah. dog. He's bombing. Hey, can I tell? I want to tell a quick up dog story yeah, if, I, if I will. For can sure. I up <laughs> Feel free, bud. This, <laughs> hey, this is your platform. <laughs> oh, dude, I'll never forget it. I got so, I've never been mad at you before in my life, except for after this time. And I'm not going to say the course's name, and I'm not sure if this is going to ring a bell, but we're out there and we're playing golf, and you four wiggled. And I know you do this quite a bit where you have the the, pot, the golf balls by the hole and you try and whack it in the woods, right? Yeah. Oh. <laughs> Did you clip it? Literally. I took a fucking a, divot. He rips, a, he, he rips a divot like two iPhones back to back beside, beside a cup. Literally beside a cup. <laughs> and it was the goddamn club's championship that day. And we went out with the, the club pro, let us go up before them. So they got all the pros coming in. <laughs> and you had just joined the club. I think that I just, summer you had just joined this club. Was that the Hermitage? No, or, no, that was that was out in uh, it was old Natchez. Oh yeah, <laughs> I didn't want to say the, <laughs> And I, I, I just like I turned white and I looked at him and he's like, "Oh fuck!" And he goes and he starts picking up and the green divots are like little—they're everywhere. <laughs> They're little pebbles. So he's trying to take the tees and he's like, "Help me out, hard." I'm like, "I'm out of here, buddy." I just went right to the clubhouse that lap and he's sitting there trying to piece this thing back together oh, and it oh. looked so bad and they. Yeah, the clutch they, they, what's what's great is that they still let me join the next year i was so mad at you but like oh my god it was bird so dog funny. i still so i i still get still i still doing get the that same mad shit. i i don't take i don't swing at balls like that i obviously i would never do that in my own club <laughs> but i but i've definitely wanted to throw a ball up and just launch it like 400 yards with my putter yeah like and, a hey, Hartz, baseball don't let him kid you he fucking tossed his putter in nine in the nine <laughs> pond like a month and a half ago and then the new fee in him he's trying to fish his, his putter out of the fucking pond i'm like Uppy, we'll get you another putter get out of there it was a good putter uh. it a, but anyway yeah bird dog on the ice some of the antics he would do would be <laughs> it, would, it would make everyone laugh coaches i'm sure Taylor gms team, fans dying. from the hartnell down to you know the time when you fucking threw your glove at at 
Malone. Yeah, like if Ryan that ever Malone, happened yeah. right now, it would be all time. And <laughs> and it's not too long ago, but that 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 kind of persona and and what you did for the game that way, making it fun was was something you know that your peers and all everyone will always laugh and think of you with your long hair falling down and you, you got a, a kid's book. Thank you for the kid's book, by the way. Yeah. So good, you wrote a kid's good, book, but uh, just touch on that. You touch on you just showing up to the rink laughing um, and, and what that kind of can do to a team. And is it still an art? Is it still there? Do you see it? Do you see it with these younger guys? Well, I see Jimmy's brother uh, in Philadelphia, a guy that just brings, it brought that dressing together. And I think, you know, not to toot my own horn, but when I got traded in uh, 2014, I don't think they've had a guy uh, like Kevin Hayes in Philly that kind of uh, no had bad fun days. at the rink. Yeah, like had, had fun at the rink, right? And, you know, after a, a loss, you have fun and, and you go out there and work your ass off and get better that next day in practice. And, you know, I think uh, uh, Ron Hex, I don't know if he was a little bit too serious with that group and uh, just kind of took the fun out of the game, right? And that's what it's all about. Uh, I got to ask you, do you remember the one uh, practice in Nashville? Uh, I think I might have been using, uh, I don't know if it was a wood stick, but like a wood blade uh, <laughs> uh, with a graphite shaft and my stick broke at the bottom of it, right? So I had about this much of my blade left on there and we're doing like, uh, you know, skate out of the corner, pass the D, regroup, regroup and go down on three on two. And my stick blew up on the first pass, but I didn't, didn't go get another one. I didn't stop the drill. So I'm, I'm basically with a ringette stick and I'm skating, skating around, passing it around. And I go take, uh, it goes on a three on two and I try and take a slap shot. I miss the puck. I fall down and Trotsy's just shaking his head. He was so mad at me, I think, but all the boys were like, woo. <laughs> Just loving it. That's hockey, uh, though. Yeah. That, I loved, I love laughing in practice, like doing something so dumb, going like they would call full up dog, like just going complete yeah. full up dog. <laughs> How about bird dog? I remember you in Philly too, Johnny Stevens. It might have been Hill. Um, it might have been Johnny or, um, who was our who was our assistant coach? He passed he passed away last year. Uh, McElhardy. Oh, Jack McElhardy. Jack McElhardy. Yeah. He was fucking awesome, by the way. Um we're doing like these three on two drills and you came up and tried to make a play at the blue line and they're like, get the puck deep. So the next drill, the next time he's up, he literally gets the puck on his half wall coming out of his zone and he just rips a slap shot <laughs> down the ice as hard as he can around the glass. Like didn't get to the red oh. line, blow the whistle. Fucking come on, Art. We'll treat you like be serious. So next play and he just gets to the red line and just rips another one as, as hard. But uh, I mean, I'll, I'll never, I'll never forget too about John Stevens. Uh, uh, you'll probably remember this too, Huppy. Uh, uh, in Florida, pregame skate and John Stevens before the practice called everyone in, and, and he's like, you know, I know you guys like to throw these saucer passes around, like. Like, I don't want to see one saucer pass the whole day. And me and, me and Loops and Carts, we're just throwing rink-wide sauce <laughs> on the tape, landing perfectly. You know, we're feeling it. And, and uh, you know, he breaks up the meeting. And I said, F this. I'm like, Carts, Loops, backhand passes only today. So we're doing the same drills. We're coming out on a three-on-0 three go down, you know, regroup all the way back and shoot. And, and so I'm a left winger. And it's hard to do a backhand pass, right? So... I get a backhand pass from cards and I catch it and I turn around back and I'm skiing backwards through the neutral zone and I'm going hard backhand pass across the loop. He gets it backhand pass the line. We all circle around backhand passes coming up. And I'm sure John Stevens is like, oh my God, this hard an idiot. <laughs> but it was pretty epic. All right, boys, our next segment, our boys at DraftKings. 
They're everywhere. Up, they're like the up dog. They're fucking everywhere. Our our boy Princey, fuck, he did it again. He's absolutely killing our social media. And he he, he pulled up the clip of Torts <laughs> during the twenty four seven ripping the fucking video guy and all Torts. I remember. Our video guy in Tampa, Nigel, who's an absolute beauty, but Torts would get on him the same thing. Fuck, Nigel, are you fucking kidding me? Uh, like, did you guys ever have a coach or a video guy that, because these video guys back in the day, they got abused. Like, you just sit in the hotel room, it doesn't work. They're panicking. Hey, you remember yeah, they're scrambling? The they're scrambling. They're trying to get it. Like, was there any coach that ever just went Tortorella style? For me, um, no. My, my, for me, it was more the coaches, like, going what the fuck is this guy doing here and it would be me (laughs) it would be me like back checking with the puck like going the other way just because i was so like trying to work hard and clueless and then the puck would like come in my feet and it would be called it would they would throw out these like uppy isms is what kirk muller used to call it (laughs) like look at this guy right here what is he doing (laughs) um so no but you know what it's always i always loved when you sit down and, and whether it's a bad game or it's a good game and the coach like you know, he strategically knows when to like chirp a guy and who to chirp, right? Yep. Um, because at the end of the day, that's part of the business. We're all pros. We all like need to see what we do wrong and need to hear like, you know, hear it on a level where he's trying to make a point. Sometimes you need like someone to really give it to you to to make sure it like hits. Oh, yeah. You know? Um, so I'd always get ripped on, but I loved me too. Torch would rip me. I loved it. Torch ripped me. I love the guy's reactions too. They're all yeah, sitting there was, just holding their, it was just biting great. their lips. And then the one coach, A. Hazy, was trying to like make a funny like song about it, and like oh, yeah. Torch was not feeling it. No, he was. I would. That's the last guy that I'd want to fuck up a video session for. And I wonder when it was. Like it's. It seemed like Torch is like not now. This can't happen right now. He's and like, that's like, a okay. major league fucking turnover is what that is. <laughs> <laughs> Did you ever have a coach hazy that ripped the video guy or ripped you? Like, Torch ripped me my second year in Tampa, I mean, every day. But I, no, it got I, funny at one point. No, I didn't. We never, I never really was a so, like, uh, seen like the, somebody get ripped, like the coach ripping the video guy. But the one thing I always remembered was when, like, the team service guy fucked up the pregame mail. That was the funniest shit ever. The guys would go nuts. I remember, uh, especially when we played in Long Island, that like the, what was it, that Marriott Hotel, the one out by the Coliseum. That fucking pregame meal could have been the worst pregame meal in the world. And you knew that guy was going to get ripped for it no matter what. I just remember Uppy on the fucking bird in Florida. I, I'm up on my farewell tour and Uppy's like to the, to the flight attendant guy who I think liked you. He's he like, this food is fucking garbage. Right? <laughs> oh, <yeah. laughs> No, how about the one time in St. Louis, our trainer, this guy, I won't even say his name, but he's, he, he's not there anymore. He was only there for one year. And he's, he's and by rights, he what didn't get brought back because he was texting all day long. He's supposed to be the masseuse. He's just he's trying idiot. to get laid or what? Well, he was trying to. He was on Tinder all the time. And I'm like, you, you couldn't <laughs> get laid right. on Tinder if you tried. Anyway, uh, I come on the plane one time and all the... Sp- <laughs> All the apps are like already gone, right? And I look back. Nah, he's a big app and guy. He's, no, he was a big dude. I look back, and of course, all the trainers and everyone sit in front of us. But this guy, thinking who he, like he was cool, was sitting behind me with a couple of the younger players, right? I look back, and I see him gnawing down on these fucking spare ribs. <laughs> gnawing and down. I fucking look back, and I go, hey, Nate Dog, how are the fucking spare ribs? <laughs> and the guys are all like this. And I'm like... 
fuck I just I my wires crossed right we must have lost or something and sure enough the way to the the Stewie comes back and she's like I'm so sorry like I thought he was a player and I there's no more spare ribs and I just started leaning into him oh buddy same oh. So the teams I put on the media guy like hey uh Num yeah, yeah. nuts. How's that chicken wing tasting? You got that <laughs> one in you, bud? Yeah, yeah. Like, we don't worry about us. We just played 60 minutes back here. How the meatballs slide down up front? <laughs> totally. You know it's on Tinder, fucking supposed to be mas massaging guys. I'm not going to blame him. Idiot. I, I, I'm, I'm not going to give him a hard time for being, for on, being Tinder, on Tinder. But, <laughs> you know, maybe <laughs> Bumbles, I don't know what it is out there, but. Last time we saw you, your beauty, we were at Gauzer Ranch at the Tree Bar playing the member guest. And you were playing with the Wiz then, too, right? Yes, sir. Mr. Ra Mr. Ray Whitney. He's one a of my, stick. Yeah, he's a stick. Probably actually the best golfer I've ever played with. Uh, hockey he's player. sneaky good. He's so sneaky good. And of course yeah. he shows up. He missed, the, he missed the year before. He was working. He was doing, obviously, NHL security and you know working at the head office, the big boy shop in New York. And so he misses the tournament, came in. That was the one I won the year before, Obes. Yeah. Then these boys. I come in with Russ Cornell. Who's the partner again? Rusty. Russ yeah. Cornell. Oh, yeah. So right. we come back to... Uh, you know, to hold our title. And sure enough, Wiz comes in. I'm like, who are you playing with? He's like, Graham Dillette. Who else would I play with? I'm like, how do you two get away with playing with each other at this member guest? Yeah. Um, who, you guys, somebody hung in tough though, right? Sheldon Surrey and his partner, you guys beat him in a playoff, Graham? Uh, I was like, I think we played that hole twice and then they ended up just doing like a wedge off because it could have taken forever. Well, and then we were, well, especially Wiz, he was really lobbying for it because they were getting a stroke on that hole. So he didn't want to keep playing it over and over and over again. Yeah, Gaza Ranch is such a such an unbelievable place spot. to have to have like a uh, a tournament like that. Everyone's having fun, doing their thing, and then like the playoff, you get Kelly Chase driving down the fairway with like the speaker <laughs> with the speaker system in his cart. He's doing like what sounds like he's auctioning off fucking charity items. It probably yeah. is, and, uh, <laughs> and and it's just awesome. Um, I was actually with Sheldon Surrey. I was with Shelly this morning in Vegas. I just flew in. And I was like telling him that we had you come on. He's like, that bastard. He's like, he stole, <laughs> he, he stole my, you, you got those, and the awards are great. Yeah. Like, it, it's a massive award you probably have on your, in your garage wall. This big It's still sign. hanging up, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so anyway, he wants to, uh, he wants another shot at the title, he said. I, Graham, <laughs> I, I just, know, I sorry, buddy. I just remember those boys were hanging tough. I'm like, fuck, show his partner hanging tough. And then you just fucking dialed in this little wedge shot that was just like pure tour style it's like D -d 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 -d. i was like well that's the difference right there between him and us it was sick. <laughs> but you know what wiz was good though too that week we actually just played the uh whisper rock member guest because i'm not a member there anymore we played that last weekend and uh we actually took that title down too so we're two for two and i uh, hope to be back up at gaza sometime this summer again oh that's impressive and i could tell from the I'm sure you did the same at Whisper Rock. You guys were drinking the whole time and still won the the member guest, which I appreciate time. the most. I hate these guys that come to the member guest and don't drink to try to win it. If you're going to win it, fine, but you better be drinking with the boys up, dog. You don't, get, was, invi you don't get invited back if you're not crushing a few beers. Yeah. And no offense, day, no offense yeah. Jimmy. Jimmy's on the wagon right now until his little baby's born, but... Uh, yeah, you need the guys. If they're going to try to carry that that torch and, and win that title, you got to be boozing. Yeah. And then it, it leads me to my next thing. Like, I, I play golf with you and stuff. I knew you are a funny guy, but, me, man, you on social media when you started, <laughs> started ripping these guys' golf swings. Like, did you ever see it turn into what it is? Like, these people, like, they're licking their chops for you to fucking let them have it. First of all, <laughs> did you ever see it? Like, and where do you come up with the material? Because everything is just bing, 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 man. It's pretty impressive. The, I think the material comes from, I used to, my dad, uh, we grew up at this 
golf course, par 61. And it's just kind of like your blue collar golf course. And my dad would go get beers with his boys after. And I would just sit uh, on the wall uh, of the driving range and just watch like hundreds of just absolutely terrible golf swings day in and day out. <laughs> and I think it just festered, <laughs> festered in there. I don't know. I didn't think it was going to be a big deal. It wasn't even my idea. Some guy tweeted at me one day in the random part of the night and I just did one. And then I don't know why people lick their chops so much over it. As you said, uh, they love it. It makes me laugh. Uh, you know, it's all light and fun, but I just think it's cause you know, we see a lot of bad golf swings, uh, and golf is hard. So it's hard to have a good one. Um, you know, we could, we could talk about Joffrey's, uh, you know, whatever, whatever going on. <laughs> we're, we're still not sure what Luke's yeah, got going on there. Let's just not. How about we not talk about that? I got to send him my swing, boys. He's got to see this thing. No, hey, Max, it's true, though, man. Like, listen, I, I know I don't have a good golf swing, but then when I see it on video, I'm like, Uppy, that's what I really look like. Like, Uppy's got... <laughs> Up, he's got a good swing. So, but, but for me, Max, like these guys, like they're like fucking rights, Max Homa, let me have it, and they're like, they're like, <laughs> they enjoy every second of it. So it's it's just pretty cool that it's turned into that for you. Dude, it is cool because, like I said, I just want I want I want golf to thrive, and if people are out golf playing golf and they they have a bad swing or good swing or whatever, as long as they're having fun, that's kind of all that really matters. So I'm glad that there's so many people out there that just want to have fun with it. Um, Golf's not even about what your swing looks like. It's just where the ball goes anyways. But it is funny because we're all we're all sensitive about our swing. Like you said, uh, you know, you had never seen it. And then you look at it, you're like, wait, why am I doing that with that? <laughs> like, what's going on over here? Uh, and that's just golf, you know. It's a, it's, a, it's a crazy hard game that you can't really ever get that great at. And it, But it's fun for me to be able to, like, kind of link with some people and just get to kind of enjoy how hard the game is in a weird way. Let's go back to San Diego, my blue pad. I was telling the up dog, you used to love it. So Monty was a rookie and I had this, you know, the blue. Yeah, the Xyrex pad. Yeah, the Xyrex pad that I would bring on the, on the, in the dress room. And then I would bring it on the bench. Hey, eh, Monty, remember I bring it on the bench and I'd be like, oh, Monty. And then, and then sure enough, after a little while, <laughs> I have the, I have the pad too. So was, um, us two idiots, me the, me the young kid and then old, we're using the blue pad on the fucking bench. <laughs> when we were in Florida, there was, who was it? Jovo? It might've been, too. no, but it was Jovo because he had the bad hip. Frosty yeah. would be behind him. Shout out to our boy Frosty. Love him. Moving the blue pad every time, like he'd be, <laughs> if he'd come off in the middle oh, of the bench, he'd move her down for him. And, oh yeah. yeah so full trainer. Act. We would play in like Oklahoma. No, where were we, Monty then? We play like uh, Baker Field and Stockton and whatever. Me and Monty weren't deep pairings, which is a fucking shame. But anyways, I'm like Monty here. You sit on this till I get back. So you would sign <laughs> up. Like, All right, Monty, get up. Let me sit back down. So every uh, shift will switch off. Yeah, it was great. And then one last thing, Monty. Before remember the passing drill we used to do from at the end of practice. I get Monty, get over here. Because Monty would already snap it hard. Like when I first started practicing, I'm like, fuck, this kid snaps it nationally already. And we would just go blue line to red line, snapping it as hard as we could, huh? <laughs> Clappers on the ice. <laughs> don't matter if they break or stick or anything, you know. I'm like, well, you naturally got to be able to take one hard, give one hard. So me and him are just those, those trainers too. They're probably just like giving it to me. I eh? like this first year guy. Like, what the fuck is this guy doing? Breaking oh, yeah. all the one pieces with just slap shots in practice. Oh yeah, and then uh, and then before we get sorry, one last thing down memory lane here. Our our D coach Marty Wolford. So Marty. He's actually not a bad guy, right? He's a D coach with Ducks now. He's not a bad guy. He's a good Ontario guy, but like, 
he was trying to like harness money in and whatever, take his swagger away. And it was just like, it wasn't going to happen because a money had that swagger. And I just remember being to Marty. Like, I'm like, you just got to let this kid play. Like he's, yeah. you can't compare him to you. Like you could never fucking do what he's doing. And another reason I was pissed, he never fucking let me play with you. Then one time we had a four and four shift and I just went up. All I did was go backhand sauce to Monty. Remember you went coast to coast for the game winner? <laughs> oh, that's what you'd always say. Hey? You always stay, stay, stay below me. Stay, I'm like, Monty, if we get out there, you stay underneath me because this is coming back to you, fella. So. See, that's just good teamwork. When I saw you get traded, I know it's been a couple of years, but I haven't talked to you. And from a personal level, when Florida traded you, I was like, I was shocked, man. I know, like, maybe, maybe they weren't having the best year, but you guys were kind of on the playoffs. Were you shocked when you got traded, or did you see it coming? Uh, I was I was pretty surprised. I really didn't think it would happen. Um, but at the same time, that year it wasn't going so great, and uh, Quenville had just come in. It was his first year, and me and him didn't really see eye to eye. Um, and then my last game as a Florida Panther was in Vegas, and – I played like six minutes or something. So as soon as that happened, the deadline was the next day. I was like, I kind of had an idea that, all right, this is writings on the wall. Probably means something. It. Yeah. So that's you play. Uh, you, that's funny. I had the exact opposite experience. I went into Chicago. I was with the Phoenix Coyotes, and I was having a year right over. So I was like eighteen or nineteen goals, and I'm in Chicago, and I played like twenty three minutes, <laughs> and I come off. Uh, we're sitting on the plane playing cards. Me, Jovo, Fiddler. Marty Hansel, that was our card game, beauty game. And anyway, Marty Hansel, I'm sitting there and I'm like, I fucking played 23 minutes tonight. And Fids is looking at me, he's like, I think that's a sign or what? His little showcase. <laughs> little showcase eh? I'm like, I don't know. It felt pretty good though. And then next day, fucking pack the bags up, dog. You're going to Columbus. <laughs> nah, fuck me. Oh, shit. Hey, Uppy doesn't have too many bad days. That day he was he was down the dumps. I called him. He wasn't. He's like, fucking Columbus. Although I did have a great trade story. I got traded while I was at home. So I had like the afternoon to pack up my bags. Me and Sammy Lupisto, shout out to him, beauty. Uh, we we got to meet the team in Vancouver. So the only way to get to Vancouver that day from Phoenix was through Las Vegas. Now we go to Las Vegas. We get caught on the tarmac trying to trying to uh, catch planes, and we have to stay there. And I didn't do this on purpose. I sort of got. So we literally check check into the Cosmo, me me and him. I send a couple quick texts to the team services guy in Columbus. (laughs) I'm like, sorry, bud, but we're not making it. He's like, what are you talking about? I'm like, that flight in Vegas? Like, we're in the airport. We're stuck. So we're staying. No way they thought it was an accident, So we So we go to the Cosmo. And then we go meet some girlfriends that were staying in. uh, uh, They were at the Cosmo, too, having like a bachelorette dinner. And we go to SDK. I was just a coincidence too. Swear to God. Yeah. <laughs> so we go to dinner and I'm like, Sammy, I swear we got to keep curfew to like, you know, one o'clock. Because yeah, we bro. literally have a 7 a.m. flight through fucking Seattle right up to Vancouver to play that night. And he's like, yeah, okay. Well, sure enough, we end up right into Marquee and it's like 2.30. And I remember Sammy the next morning taking a photo of me in the airport while we're while we're waiting to you know, switch planes. I think we're in, I think we're in Seattle and I'm just tits up. I'm sleeping in the airport. And he's like, look, pregame nap for the first game as a Columbus blue jacket. And we hum in there, drop our bags off at the Pacific rim hotel. And we go right Great to the rink. Hotel. I got it. 45 minutes to change. Hey boys, what's up? Rick Nash. He was the only guy I knew on the team. What's up boys, blah, blah, blah. Go out first period. 
cheddar right over Bobby Lou's fucking wow. <laughs> yeah. Bobby Lou, thanks for coming. So they made you fly Vegas to Seattle, Seattle, Vancouver? To play that night, yes. They didn't After, even get you a direct shot from Vegas to Vancouver? No, no. Tough start for Columbus. Yeah, there. totally. Yeah. We had a pre- well, yeah, yeah, That's not National League. Right? I was out before I was even in there. <laughs> <laughs> Only you that works for you. Like if that would happen to me, boys, I would have got I got stuck in like I don't know. My label would have been Columbus or something if I was getting yeah. somewhere else. Right? He gets Vegas. Um, I was and- lucky enough that my last day was at least in Vegas, so that was like, and I kind of had the writing on the wall, so I was able to be like, and it was our rookie party that night after the game. Oh, so I was God. like, well, if I'm leaving, I'm going out with a bang. So it was like, all right, boys. Trochi, how how is the old fine fun doing throughout COVID times right now? Is it is it looking a little bare? Are the boys still putting money on the board, or how's that working? It's still pretty hip. I mean, it's it's the point. Guys are still putting money on the board, and we have nothing to spend it on. So it's just kind of oh. we're just racking it up. End of the year so, party. I mean, once COVID's over, we have so much money to just blow <laughs> wow <laughs> yeah. that's great i the never thought of it will, like that the fans will love that let's ask the fans what do these guys possibly blow all this money on? <laughs> no, a nice <laughs> trip to scottsdale get a private bird and have a couple nights in old town that's what the bruins did one year that was fucking awesome did they really yeah, oh, yeah. i mean every year in st louis we used to well it would be staz staz uh, shaddy steiner would split the plane and we would all just hum right to vegas and do two full nights with our fine fun every That's after nice every week. year and it would be like 16 like or by week or no this was at, at the end of the off. year and it would be no at the end of the year Standard right Tuesday. so like um and we made it to the conference finals the one year so that you know we all went with our beards and blah 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 and then i'm talking every year the three years it was just full full blast no questions asked Everyone on the bird. Let's. Well, go. I'm sure the wives asked a few questions. No, no. <laughs> no. What the whole team's going? Okay, have fun in Vegas. Hey, uh... Troj, remember how mad uh, Uppy was with that year we had the uh, end of the year party in Miami and the wives came. Oh <laughs> no! Oh yeah. Oh, we don't even need to talk about yeah, it. You. Yeah. Well, what, were you still there? Was it your the year we had our one end of the year party in Florida at that Tortuga festival? I think you said, yeah, it yeah up. I yeah. set it up there. We had the tent. Oh, that, that was one the of the best fest. ones. That one was incredible. That was just something different that we needed to do. So there was a country music festival right on the beach in Fort Lauderdale. And you know, year after year we had gone to Miami and had blowouts Daisy and that Dukes was great. Everywhere, huh? Yeah. Well, yeah, there oh, sure yeah. was <laughs> Jessica Simpson's flying around <laughs> cowboy boots, hats, little booty shorts. Um, but yeah, I thought it would be different to just walk up Los Olas Ave right to the beach. And we all had a tent and VIP tickets. Now it was fucking expensive for what it was, to be honest. We didn't quite get yeah. full VIP treatment being the Florida Panthers, Oh no. but, um, but yeah, I think we had a good mix up. And then for the single guys and us, I think we all made it to the strip club up on Oakland. <laughs> oh, yeah. had, had a little time in there. Solid gold. So. Solid gold. I've been to that strip club before Lauderdale. Is it out by? Is it out by like Sun? Is that out by? There's one strip club out by the rink that I used to go with a veteran from Tampa. I won't say his name, but I thought it was called Solid Gold Broadway. Is it? Is it's it out? North, it's north of where you probably would have stayed. Is it? Yeah. Yeah, it's on the yeah. beach, uh, like on Oakland. I got it. This is a funny story. I got a chance to play on the top line for the last two games before the bye week one year. Hitch was like, you know, fuck, you're going just play with the boys. It might have been Steiner and like Tarasenko or someone. I was I was loving it, feeling it is what you say, right? I'm (laughs) feeling feeling it. So we go to Cabo five day bender with the boys. I come back two practices in and my fucking jersey's down in the green line again. (laughs) I'm like, fuck. 
What, if I didn't go to Cabo, I'd still be on the first line? Like, come on, what the hell is this? Oh, no, so it was, you didn't practice, your jersey was gone when you came back. Yeah, like, oh. I pretty much got back, and <laughs> for, like, half of the practice, I thought maybe I'd still be on the line. No, right, but I might even have to switch my jersey mid-practice. Hey, how good were you feeling Cabo, though? I also break, like, fuck, boys, I'm on the top oh, line. I, I got Cabo set up, it. quitters out, let's have a fucking time. Come back, fucking green line. <laughs> yeah, oh, that was, that was one of the, you know... One of the odd times where the coach is like, where'd you go for all-star break? And you're just like, don't even should I just lie? Stayed in St. Louis. Yeah. <laughs> I stayed and, you know, got IVs and had good meals and in I, Mexico. I got a great fucking all-star story. My rookie year, actually. So Pronger and Niedemeyer go down. I go from playing fucking 12 minutes to playing over 20 for the last stretch before the deadline. And we're going right through Western Canada. We play Vancouver, Edmonton, Calgary, and we take it on the fucking chin. I'm minus two one night, minus three the next night. Carlisle pulls me in. He's like, if you think you're fucking going on this all-star break and fucking party and you're fucking crazy, you better be working out, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, all right, whatever. So the next day, me and PJ are going to John Wayne Airport. And who is at the fucking gate but Randy Carlisle? <laughs> and I like dive behind the fucking thing. And I got PJ who's a seven-footer. So oh, yeah. So that sucks. 100% he saw me for sure. I, I never, I thought coming back from Vegas, I'm like, PJ, there's a chance I'm on waiver. So let's really enjoy this. Yeah, so. it's good to have PJ if there's chicks around. Yeah, I mean, I'm like, and I'm with the seven-footer. I'm like, if he doesn't see me, he's going to see the big guy. There's no way I got on that Southwest bird with him seeing me. Where was it going? Vegas. Oh, nice. He was going to Vegas to buy a fishing boat. <laughs> That's what he said. What the ch- <laughs> That's why I go take down a bunch of professionals. <laughs> I had a worse experience when that that first uh, Olympic break. I got uh, I went home and went back to and it might have been a bye. Where, I forget what it was, but I went back to BC because all my boys were still there in school. I did the seven days there, and I'm getting ready to head back to Chicago on my way to the airport. Get a text from. Tony Oman, the team service guy. Uh, we're going to send you down to Rockford. No. You want to come back to Rockford? So I just turned around and went right back to BC for three more days. <laughs> oh, that's brutal. But at least you get to go back and party with your college boys. Yeah, I got a 10 days at home too. So I think it took me a little bit to get going. Elio, that, that's what the coaches said about me. He's not, I don't know how long you can skate for, but he'll at least go out there and battle for you. Hey, hey, Sh- hey, Shay, let, let me tell you a little story there. Look at, look at, like, I, I, I've, I've talked to you a couple of times over your career. I've watched you. I, I know your body disposition. And look at, I, I can relate as well because, uh, like, back in the day, uh, I wasn't exactly uh, – like like a Scotty Upshell, very svelte. Like you know, I, I had a little extra pounds. But but but, um, I will say this is that when I weighed in one day, uh, you know, back in the day you had to actually write in your weights. Like you didn't have somebody hawking you a lot of the times. Like you know, you'd have a weight, you'd weigh in every couple of days, and I would always want to know when we were weighing in just to get a little bit of an edge, if you know what I mean. So, oh yeah. Oh yeah. Uh, the first time I think the first time I weighed in. I think I might have put maybe like a, maybe a a, a, a a ten pound dumbbell in my shorts just to make sure that I would have a little extra, you know, a little extra cushion in case you know over the year if I happen to have a couple of extra banana cream pies or an extra prime rib over the days. But the one day I weighed in Chicago, I think it was like my third or fourth year. I weighed in, and you had you know you had your name and you and you had the date and you, and you wrote it in. And that day, I just I just happened to write in. Two oh twelve, and <laughs> our coach, the great Bob Pulford, who a legendary player and, and manager and coach, he won. A, I think he won three or four Stanley Cups with the Leafs back in the mid sixties. Maybe the last time they won the Stanley Cup. 
but Pulley came up to me, and uh, I think uh, I won't quite quote him verbatim, but I will. Uh, but he was very loquacious. I will say in a in a real friendly way, he pretty much said, "Hey, Olchek, what the f is two o twelve?" And I said, uh, "Hey, Pulley, uh, that's a lot." Yeah. <laughs> F-A-T. <laughs> so hey. he just shook his head. He took a puff as one of his Kent cigarettes and just walked away in disgust. So uh, that was the heaviest I ever was, was 2012, and I'll leave it at that. Hey, Eddie O, if you remind me of the back in the minors, our French goalie, Chewy. We were doing the honor system, same thing with the pen. And our coach didn't, text, didn't uh, do it for like three months, and finally they came in and watched, and he was like 25 pounds over what he was writing in. So the, the honor system went out the window after Chewy was about 25 well, pounds heavier. Yeah, yeah right, but, but Shane, look at look at Okay, let's, let's just, you know, let's just take it down a notch here. Look at The world we're living in now, look at you know, PC has taken control. We understand that. Okay. But as I said then, and I'm going to say now, Whoa, what's wrong with being a little hefty? I mean, yeah. what's wrong with having a couple extra LBs? I mean, look at there's nothing wrong with it. I mean, look at one of the greatest, <laughs> one of the greatest players, and I mean this sincerely because I played with this guy twice. One of the greatest right wingers in the history of the National Hockey League. If you were a defenseman, and Shane, you were, if you wanted to get the puck out of your zone, you would look for Steve Larmer. Larms would be available. Larms would be there to get the puck out of the zone. He was a safety net like you wouldn't believe in a National Hockey League. Steve Larmer wasn't exactly chiseled. Steve Larmer had a couple of extra LBs. The guy played a thousand games in a row. Okay, so there's nothing wrong with having a little extra poundage every once in a while. You never know when you might need it, and I mean this sincerely. That guy's a Hockey Hall of Famer. I don't know how he's not in the Hall of Fame. And look, there are a lot of great players. Trust me, I understand that. But Steve Larmer, go, go one day, guys, go look at his numbers. Go look at the Stanley Cup he helped us win in New York with the Rangers. Look at his Ironman streak. You ask any guy that played with him, that guy's a Hall of Famer. So Steve Larmer, I didn't have a lot in common with Larms. We did play together two different times in Chicago with the Rangers. But that guy had a little bit of poundage on him, and he was a hell of a hockey player. Yeah, and you know, I, I call it a little corner weight. Nothing wrong with a little corner weight. And and I I know <laughs> I, I know Larms actually, Eddie. Oh, I played in the PHPA golf tournament in Peterborough, and, and Larms is an absolute beauty. Turk, I, I, hey, listen, your your Detroit Red Wings days. I, I watched the Bob Probert thing on Amazon, and and he seemed like such a great teammate. And obviously, we know his story. But what was it like playing with him and just having him on your squad? It was great. He was one of our best friends, you know. I mean, obviously, you know, he had a lot of a lot of issues going on when he was playing on that. But you know what? He'd come to the rink every morning. He'd have a joke for the boys. He would give you the shirt off his back. He'd, he'd do anything for you. And that's why guys loved him so much. I mean, like I said, he was a good hockey player. He was no doubt the toughest guy probably ever to play in the National Hockey League, you know, in my opinion. He was just – but he was a super guy off the ice too and a lot of fun to be around. And the, it's just too bad that, you know, things went you know, the way they did for him. Yeah, and the reason I asked when I watched that documentary, and obviously don't show everything, but the only time I seen him really got really get upset with is one of the teammates said something in the Detroit paper about him, and he was like, "What kind of teammate, you know, wouldn't stick up for me?" Even though obviously he had some issues off the ice, he just seemed like such a good team guy, and he had everyone's back, and just expected his teammates to have his back too, right? A hundred percent. That's what he's all about, and like he's.
quick, you know, none of us were perfect, but uh, he made lots of mistakes. And he was one of those guys, like I said, he had, uh, I know, I know one thing, if you went to the wrong place in the wrong bar and you, you couldn't handle one of the guys, he'd be the first guy to jump in front of you. And uh, he'd make sure he was a guy, you know, taking the knuckles and all that. If, yeah. if the, if the incidents happened and uh, that's just the way Provy was. He, he treated everybody the same. He had, a, he, he loved life and he had a lot of fun. And, and then, you know, Turk, I was lucky to have Wendell Clark on the power play on Monday on, on NHL Sirius XM with Cools. And Wendell Clark was my favorite player. And, and I found out real quick that we we're having him on. So I wasn't quite prepared, but just playing against him, like, because you watch videos, like, you know, he didn't ask you to go. He dropped his gloves and he was chucking first. Was he a guy that maybe had a dirty reputation or just like, hey, that's Wendell and keep your head up? No, you, you know what Wendell's all about. Wendell was my size, probably. We're marked the biggest guys. We're probably 185 pounds when we played. But he was fighting with the heavyweights and he could do it. And he was a good hockey player. So there was nothing dirty, but nothing cheap about Wendell. He would stand guys up straight up and fight. I mean, I've seen him fight Kobe a few times. Real good jobs. And, you know, Wendell could score with anybody in the league. He's a good goal scorer. He had a great shot. Uh, you know, just an all-around great hockey player at that time. Yeah, and, and sorry, and, but you know, like what I'm—I loved him. He's my favorite. But at the start of his fights, a eh, Turk, like his gloves were off, <laughs> and he was chucking them before anyone even knew what was going on. Oh yeah, no, he was ready to go all the time, and uh, I made sure I got to know him. Joey, him and Joey Kosher are cousins, so I got the you know hung around with Joey a little bit, and I didn't really want to ever fight one McClark. I mean, he always banged and battled and sort of chirped a little bit, but uh, when his gloves come off, I was glad one of the other boys were <laughs> Just like our dads tell us, eh? throw first, ask questions <laughs> yeah, later. exactly. Because you never know when you run into a bulldog like that. Hey, speak, Turk, speaking of favorite players, Stevie Y for me was one of my one of my favorite players. I idolized him growing up. I wore his number. Um, I got to play against him. He was my GM at my first world championships, which you're going to here in a couple of weeks. What was it like, uh, you know, having him come in as a young kid, um, you know, showing him the ropes, being a leader and all, and then, uh, you know, the transition for him into, you know, his job now and his role. He's just been this idolizing guy for a lot of Canadian hockey players. And, you know, I guess just your relationship with him. How's that gone? Yeah, we like playing, playing on his line for three or four years together and uh, being roommates, you know, and. Like I said, Oppie, I was the older guy. He might have played in Detroit before me, but I was the senior guy when we got in the room. And I had the clicker. He had to go get the Kentucky Fried Chicken when we ordered out. <laughs> you might idolize him, but I still controlled him a little bit. Even oh, yeah. <laughs> well, wait, behind each legend, there's there's the legend that showed him the way, Turk. And that's that's kind of... <laughs> You know, that's kind of Stevie Wise right there. But I, I just love how collective he is and what, what he did in Tampa Bay, building that, you know, foundation for those guys to 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 their success in the last 10 years. And then, you know, him yeah. moving on. And hopefully he's able to do it in Detroit. I know the Detroit Red Wings organization means a lot to you and, and a lot to the game. So yeah. hopefully, you know, he's part of bringing that back. Um, yeah, he will. He, he's, a, he's a great hockey person and he's got patience and uh, he's going to build that team up real good. You know, he's a smart hockey guy and he takes pride in what he does. He'll work hard. And he's just not one of those guys that uh, step into a job and, you know, because he's Steve Eisman, he's going to go there and work hard and uh, he's going to build that team because he takes a lot of pride in it for sure. Hey, Turk, you mentioned that, you know, you were the veteran and, and he went to go get the Kentucky Fried Chicken for the boys, which is absolutely great. And my question is, when, when Gabriel Landis-Cock walked in the dressing room in Colorado when it was my fifth or sixth year in the league, I kid at 18 years old, I was like, this kid is probably more mature than me right now, which maybe isn't saying a lot, but I knew he was going to be a great captain. Did you know that about Stevie the day you met him? Like, this guy's got something special? Yeah, you know, 
person and, and he cared for everybody. So yeah, when I met him and he got around the first couple of years, you knew he was going to be a great leader and a great captain. What was frustrating was we had such a poor team the first couple of years that uh, you know people didn't see his leadership skills. And as soon as they, as soon as our team became pretty good and real good at the end, he was uh, he you know he was an obvious captain, one of the best captains in the in the history of the game. So he's he's done an outstanding job. Right? Yeah, he's he's great. Hopefully, the Red Wings get back to where they. Although they had twenty two years straight of making the playoffs, and I took a lot of minus. I took a lot of minuses in that Joe Louis Arena Turk, so I don't feel that bad some nights for the Red Wings because I had <laughs> no, a lot of minuses there. For sure. <laughs> what about a guy like Brad Richards? What was what what was so like you know important about him that Torts loved? Because he, I mean, he had him in Tampa. They won New York. Yeah. It seemed like it was a, so much respect. But you, you look at the way Richie would have played. Like if you're that skilled guy, you better do things every night that yeah. like Torts loves, right? Because you do hear guys like Obi and yourself, guys that Torts just knows what he's gonna get and like he expects it out of you, and you love like the fact that okay, Torts is gonna be hard on on the good players. There's a respect factor within your room. You, you, we had yeah, uh, I, I, yeah, I think I think Richie just you know he played the game the right way, right? He didn't. He didn't cheat, right? Offensively, towards hated when guys cheated offensively, right? So Richie was never that type of guy. He, he took care of his own end, and you know maybe if he's not like you know, even near the end of his career, like diving in front of shots or penalty killing or stuff, he still played the game the way that Torts wanted to do and would still win the battles. That was it for Torts, right? Like, yeah, you know, don't, don't be cheating. Make sure you're winning your battles. You know, you're still playing. You know, the physical game. Obviously, he's not out there crushing guys, but. Richie just played that 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 brand of that brand of hockey that Torts loved, right? Play it play it this way, and and Richie did that. I remember when Richie first got to New York. It was like you know the first year, and um, I got Richie and I became good good buddies. And uh, Richie started off a little slow, and uh, we started off a little slow. And Torts just you know being Torts, just you know this guy probably didn't sleep right if we were losing, so we're we're. We're out after the game one night and Torch must call Richie on the way home. And Richie comes in, we're, we're going for dinner. He goes, Torch just called me. He told me to like do drugs and stuff. Like, he's like, <laughs> like Richie, I don't know what's wrong with you, but like go out, like get fucked up, do drugs or something, man. <laughs> I was like, oh, this is going to be a good night. <laughs> oh, he never said that to me, Frosty. He never said that to me. <laughs> I think because he, he knew Richie wouldn't actually do it. <laughs> Just lighten up a bit. A little a little false hope. That's here. fucking hilarious. Hey, that was another thing in New York. Torts made everybody put our phones. You'd have to get your phone and put it in a cell phone, in a case. During the when game? When you when you walked in the, the room, as soon as you walked in the room at like four thirty oh or five, my your God. phone went. Oh, I would have been fucked because because <laughs> guys were making dinner plans. I think it was Abe's. Abe's obviously got caught. Was making dinner plans, and uh, <laughs> he was texting somebody that was with like one of the owners or something, uh, one of the owners' wives or something. <clears throat> and Abe's was texting where where dinner was during the second intermission or something. I'd make sure I'd make sure in case I did anything really fucking dumb or funny out on the ice that after the period I'd be like sending fu- sending messages around to people. Hey, did you see that fucking go- like? If they, see me fly yeah. over the boards there. If they Presti, if they <laughs> took if they took Uppy's phone away from at four thirty, we had to get the, to the barn. No one oh. would have anything to do after the I'll game. Be yeah, I know. I'll be saved us a lot in yeah, Florida. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone be like, where are we going now? I'm like, see, I told you. Let me hold my fucking damn phone. <laughs> I, remember, I remember whenever we played in Florida, I was like, I'll be, what's going on for tomorrow night? Set me up. <laughs> 
Prusty, what was the one bar? I ripped up London one night with pairs. Jimmy Bob's or Jim Bob's? Jim Bob's. Oh, Jim yeah. Bob's. Yeah. yeah, Jim Bob's. Yeah. I had a night yeah. there. That was a good time. That was one of our – I remember one time uh, it was Memorial Cup year, and uh, we're all lined upside out, outside Jim Bob's. And it was the night before a game, and uh, coach calls pairs, and he's like, uh, everybody in for curfew? And Paris is like, yeah, yeah, everybody's uh, everybody's in. Uh, and we all know we're like, oh, my God, chocolate. The assistant coach is calling Paris. And he's like, yeah, we're all in. Everybody's in, in bed. And he goes, yeah, that's funny because I'm looking at you motherfuckers in the lineup right now. <laughs> <laughs> and But we were winning every game. Like, what was he going to do? He's just like, you stupid fucks. He's like, just get home safe. Don't be too late. Don't do anything stupid. <laughs> I remember you did, we did one thing in LA when you came out to LA. I think it was the Canucks and the Kings in the playoffs. And we did a thing at the rink there. And I was like, dude, we got a party when I get back into Toronto. When I got back to the city, that's right. And you were the first guy I hit him. I'm like, yo, Cabby, I'm in the city. Loops is here. Let's rock. I, and I think we went out on King Street. I think I did something about your bag, like your hockey bag. Uh, there, I would do such dumbass things. And even in the playoffs, where like the media was like so much more intense, the PR guys were so much more intense. I had to lean on dudes that I had either were great personalities and the like bleep the traditional conventional stuff like yourself or <laughs> um I had to like I would wait out so you know when it's Canucks and in, in, in LA it was probably like Naslin or Naslin was probably the cap I think he was the captain back then good looking so I guy. was like was it it was Naslin that, right? that year that year was that was the Sedin so Naslin was a little bit oh. before that but they, okay, they played the Kings in playoffs when Naslin was the captain too, though. Yeah, back in the day. And then I, so I would wait like till the scrum, like, you know, so there's like 20 reporters circling a player and they would ask, you know, how does it feel? Blah, blah, blah. You know, the same three, four questions that you guys would, you guys <laughs> have gotten for literally 20 years. And then I would sort of sneak in and I would ask about like, you know, somebody's phone or like, what do you eat before games? Like dumb things. Cause I only want to know about you guys as players and not so much the game. So I was covering more like hockey culture and like amplifying the personality of hockey players because, you know, obviously where we're from, hockey is the NFL of Canada. And um, yeah. it was, it was really special when, when guys played along when they got it. Cause I wasn't trying to, I wasn't there with an agenda. I was there to have fun. And once dudes understood it, like, oh, okay, I can let my guard down a little bit and have fun with this chubby, weird reporter <laughs> who's like wearing baseball caps and, you know, you know, Jordans. And I didn't look like anybody else in the room, literally, whether it's the media or the players, unless it was like LA, like unless Wayne Simmons was there or like if it was Montreal, <laughs> PK was there or Joel Ward in Nashville. Like they're very, it was like a handful at Jerome again, a handful of dudes that look like me. So it, I was a little bit of an oddball and then asking odd questions, but it, it, it worked when guys like you, and we also did something at the ESPYs. Yeah. We did something about uh, being famous, and I think I brought an iPad. I haven't seen the segment in a while, but you and, and Joffrey had a lot of fun with it. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I do remember those nights, uh, albeit blurry. Our final segment brought to our buddies at Canadips. I got a lip boomer in right now. A couple of my boys at the golf course this Sunday, guys that have been chewing forever. They saw the Canadips sitting there. I slid the tin over. They threw it in. They sit nice for you guys trying to quit chew. So lip boomers, Canadips, promo code Curfew Cali. We got scratched a little bit in Boston together, but the one thing I really enjoyed was when you tell me stories about Phil Kessel. Can you give us one of these <laughs> Phil Kessel stories from when you were playing with him in Toronto? I, I used to just laugh my ass off and make sure you do his God. voice. <laughs> I haven't done his voice in a long time. <laughs> um, yeah, I missed the locker room. It's been four years now. Uh, let's see. 
Yeah, there's there's so Randy Carlisle, uh, Obes. I know you had him. Yeah. Um, just a uh, fun fun person to play for. <laughs> um, <laughs> just an old grumpy fuck is what he is, hey. Dude, he so he it, he he started uh, team weigh-ins oh, when we yeah. were in Toronto, and so he had this target that every guy should be playing at. You know, he had he had this idea of what Phil should be playing at, and it wasn't. <laughs> I think it was probably fifteen or twenty pounds less than what Phil was currently playing at when Randy came in. And I just remember one time we were <laughs> we were weighing in, and uh, the the strength coach Bell's was like, "Hey." Phil, you got to come way in. And Phil's like, fuck you, Bells. (laughs) (laughs) And so Bells brings the way in sheet down to Randy and Randy's like, well, where's Phil's weight? And he goes, I won't weigh in. And he goes, you tell him to go way in and started yelling at Bells of the strength coach. So Bells comes back and he's like, Phil, you got to weigh in. Randy said, you got to weigh in. And Phil pokes his head out of the change room down the hall toward the coach room. He goes, you tell that fat fuck if he wants me to weigh in, he can come weigh me in himself. <laughs> screamed it down the hallway. Oh. oh my God. That was, uh, that was one of the, the funnier Phil stories. There's a lot of them. He was, he was just, uh, just a riot every day, man. One of one of the best guys to play with. Lal Luce tells the story about when Randy took the Pepsi, took away. the Pepsi away from oh. him. He's like, "I'm not oh. fucking playing. I won't goes, fucking play." He goes, "I'm, I'll, I'll fucking quit, Johnny. I don't need this shit. I don't need." I'm like, Phil, you just signed a seven year, like forty nine million dollar deal, whatever, eight years, sixty four yeah. or something. And he's like, "I don't care. I'll quit. I'm not drinking water. I can't do it." <laughs> Oh, I feel his pain with the weigh-ins though. Like, Hazy, you were a bigger guy, but Johnny and and Alpha, you guys would always, and the weigh-ins for you guys were nothing, right? You get in there, fucking weigh-in. For us guys that were fighting it, that Monday morning, that Monday morning with the weigh-in, you're like, fuck (laughs) me. I'd be driving the rink being like, holy fuck, I'm in one. I'm in one for sure. So I feel, and and Johnny, Randy was the worst with the weigh-in. Like, he was such a prick about it. Like, oh. He, he came in, he came in, I remember, and took all the snacks off the plane. And we had like beef jerky and, and uh, what was it? Beef jerky and uh, trail mix in the back. And then you'd walk through the coach's area after like on a flight. And there'd be, it was like a chip massacre up there. But we had beef jerky and trail mix in the back. And there's 15 empty bags of chips in the, the coach's seats. I see on I see on TV, bro. I like to watch I like to watch the Avs. I see on there with those beautiful suits, and you got the wine cave. T- tell us kind of how that all came into fruition, because you really get to show your personality on TV, which is which is great right now. It, it's been a lot of fun. There hasn't been much that that's uh, good that's come of COVID, but this is kind of one of the the fun things that's come of it. So um, obviously, when COVID hit, they suspended the season, and we didn't kick back up until I think it was July and. So we started doing this uh, altitude started doing this um, like sports social every day for a couple of hours. And uh, they asked me to come on and I don't know, I mean, I'm sitting at home and, you know, got the kids and, you know, five o'clock turned to four o'clock, turned to three o'clock, turned to, Hey, let's just have a, have a glass of wine. And so <laughs> the one day they're like, Hey, do you want to come on? And I'm like, yeah, sure. Can I drink wine? And they're like, yeah, that sounds good. So I started <laughs> ah. coming on and they started joking around, like putting my title as like wine connoisseur and, so then once games started kicking back up, we couldn't do enough. We couldn't do um, three of us in the studio anymore on set. And so they were like, Hey, do you want to do it from home? And they would bring me in from home. And I'm like, can I keep drinking wine? And they go, yeah, let's, let's do that. 
so I was literally doing it from my my office uh, originally. And uh, then they came up with this thing called Johnny's Wine Cave. And so I was like, well, you know what? Maybe I'll just like throw a setup downstairs in the uh, in the wine room and see if I can get the Internet to work well enough. And lo and behold, it did. And, and people have <laughs> it's great. People have loved it. I get so many people messaging me about what, you know. So when the abs win, I set like a, a whiskey glass back here and I, you know, <laughs> pour whiskey in the post game and so I get a, you know really toeing the line there in the post game a lot of times and no. uh, and people are like oh my god what are you drinking tonight and you know what's in the glass and it's it's become you know it's become kind of a, a a fun segment and i don't do it every night um i'm doing doing real estate full-time up here now so it's a it's a part-time thing for me on altitude but Riker and Kiefer are, are hilarious and they basically just rip on me nonstop about how my teeth have turned purple and, you know, <laughs> I, I'm, you know, can't put sentences together. And I mean, it's just, it's fun, man. People love it. And that's kind of, you know, where we're at in the, in the, the world today, you know, where you got to have somebody broadcasting from home. And fortunately for me, it's kind of a, a fun little setup that I've got here. It's John, a lot, it's sorry, but I just want to say that's yeah. a lot of wins to start off your career. Yeah, as a I, know what, I mean, they don't lose. They <laughs> yeah. don't lose at home, so I'd be pinned too. I was You're just like, how that. many post games do I have to sit here? I've, I need to buy way more whiskey. Weezy, from the first time I met you, which I could maybe tell that story, but the point is, I knew you were a playoff guy. But you want me to tell the story when I first met Weezy? Yeah. yeah. So I just get sent down to San Antonio, and I, I see Weezy's got good skill, right? I see him in training camp. He's got good style. He's a younger kid, obviously, and we're taking a piss in San Antonio, and he's there. There's a stall between us, and then there's me. And Weeks, he just like takes a piss and starts shaking his cock. He just looks down. He's like, "I gotta stop jerking off so much, man." And I, I, it's been I, a long I, camp. I, I never, I'm like, I know that. I'm like sharing that hotel room, and it's tough. Eh? You gotta go to jerk off in the bathroom in your room. He's in there. And I'm like, it's Weeger, right? And he's like, yeah. And then from that moment on, we see the rest is history. But I knew, I knew. <laughs> as a young kid that you had swag and confidence that you would eventually get to the NHL. Hey, Weeksy baby, how's the golf game, fella? Because back in San Antonio in the day, it was it was a little slashy. Has it, it gotten any tough, better? Eh? Have you it been playing? Tough. Have you been playing? Yeah. It's, a, it's a hit and a miss. I actually, <laughs> the funniest story is uh, Yans takes me out to the Grove and Juice I, actually, I was so brutal. It was like almost embarrassing. And I was like, Yans, like, I might not even ever be able to come back out here. Like, I don't know why we do that. Like, I don't know. Like, I hate when the caddies go and look for my balls. Like, I just, I'm just embarrassed. And I got to tip them at the end. I almost I almost feel like I owe them extra because they were so bad. And then the, the next time, he's like, no, no, you're coming out. So the next time he takes me out, I, I've never – I shot. I'm pretty sure I shot a 77. Like, I've never done this in my life. Like, it was, it was insane. Like, I'll never do it again. But I was like, at least, you know, I shot it you know, 77 at the Grove and now they can all think of me as like a decent player. And I, I, I left there feeling pretty happy. That's a fucking good score. Yes. It's, it's an all time story. I actually was just before the pandemic hit, I was doing uh, uh comedy shows at like swingers clubs <laughs> in, in, uh, in Toronto. You have your pineapple? Isn't that the sign of the swinger, the pineapple? <laughs> no, <laughs> no, boys. Like, 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 just like clubs where like couple couples just show up and they throw their keys into a bowl and see who goes home with who. No way. Yeah, yeah. Those were like like paid gigs, and uh, we had one right in Toronto. And I actually did a gig at a um, a swingers convention, and um, I'm not even kidding. It was clothing optional. 
<laughs> so, so literally couples were showing up and like some of them were just like straight up, just naked, like twigs and berries hanging out. And uh, during, during like shows, they tell you, you know, if you're nervous, you're supposed to like picture the audience naked. It's like, fuck, <laughs> it's kind of hard to do that. Fuck, they are naked. <laughs> yeah. And I swear That's to God. Great. In, in the middle of one of my sets, like, two couples started, like, fucking hooking off. And it, and originally, I was like, should I just try to go through my, like, set? I was like, I think I just got to address this. So I just stopped my joke. And then they just started, like, basically, like, fucking, like, right in the middle of the set. And, it's, you know, as a comedian, you just want to make people, like, laugh a lot. But if you're, like, making them smash, then I guess you know you're doing something, right? So, um, but, yeah. I toured a little bit with like Yak Yaks and guys call me chain Canada and started going to like Alberta and British Columbia and, and stuff like that. So I'm the plan is to get back to the States and hopefully use my online following as leverage to, you know, get some, get some more gigs. Oh, you got the boys. You got, you got the boys crying in the studio here. That's a first for us. Like when your first year, you work your ass off, you get yourself into the national league. And then, boom, you look across the room and you're paired with number five, Shane O'Brien. How was it playing with him early on and having him as a team? Man, it, it was, uh, I think it was a blessing. He was uh, he was such a wagon in the room. It was hilarious. I just sit there, listen to him, you know, tell his stories and everything. And he kind of took me under his wing. And we had uh, Big Ryan O'Byrne was there, too, and they were boys. So oh, yeah. Big sexy. I had a good little crew on the back end to look after me and um, – Oves was hilarious. He was never like in prac, he would fire the hardest pass. And then in the game, he'd get it. And then instead of going firing one hard, he'd go backhand through the middle sauce, ticked off. Like it was incredible. <laughs> but, <off. laughs> so, I remember one time, like one of my first games, I think we were a guy maybe Columbus. I can't remember where we were playing, but he was telling me, he's like, there's a slide it over to me, kid. I slide it over me on the blue. So I, I get, I got one. I fired it over to him. He threw like a wrister. It hit like, I think it hit the end wall, bounced off the skate. And like, I think Kobasu might be touching it or something. He goes, where's what I tell you? Hey, kid, get it over, eh, bud? <laughs> <laughs> hey, it was, it was pronto. We scored, right? Yeah. It was pronto. You threw it over to me. I threw like this little muffin down low, came over front and Mago, the little French fuck was right there. He, like, put it in. I was like, told you, Bear, slide it over. I know. He was, he, I think you had like, I think you had like three points or something at that point. And he was telling me oh. to slide it over. I was, I like, was, like, was struggling. I was struggling. I mean, that year, was that the lockout year? Like yeah. yeah, the lockout or the year before, I can't remember. It was a- I think it was the lockout year. What was the the one time they called you up and you were playing with me and we were in Edmonton in the old barn and our D coach, it was David Quinn, because I fucking hate this guy. You played for Quinn <laughs> there, right? Yeah, I had Quinny in the minors and then uh in, in Colorado. In Colorado. So Quinner, him and Sacco were always like, you know, make the safe play, Bears. Make the safe play up the wall, up the wall. And then maybe this wasn't right by me, but I'm like, fuck that, Bears. We're going D to D, right? I, you go D to D to me. I'm going to go up. You come underneath, and I'm going to sauce it back to you. So we're in Edmonton, and Bears is trying to make the right play, right? And who is my loud mouth, eh? I'm like, Bears! Bears! D to D! So he kind of fucking fumble fucks and slides it over. And I can't remember exactly. Prince, you'll find the clip. But it hits Ryan Smith's stick. And I'm flat-footed now underneath him. And here comes, here comes Alex Hemsky Bear saying, fucking, he fucking inside out past Farley. And the rest of the night, I was right like this. Grocery stick, chin strap undone. So, um, yeah. It was great. Yeah, I put you in the soup there. I gotta. I want to see that clip. I haven't watched in a while, but <laughs> you were on the top 10 the entire year. I was on the top <laughs> 10 the entire year. That was my bad. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It's the worst I ever got walked.
You went overseas that one year played in Russia. Is it as crazy as people make it out to be? And if you can, share at least one story with us, because I've just heard this fucking place. There's no rules over there. Yeah, I, and I was in VT, uh, VTs too, and I think that owner now, I believe he might even be in jail. It was Nikolai, but it was pretty <laughs> wild. I, I'll, I'll give you a quick story. It's actually right when I, I signed. It was there. He started probably 15 or 20 games, so I went only went over there for half a year. Um, but I get to the hotel the first night, and I'm with my agent, um, and I meet Nikolai, who's the owner of the team and the owner of the hotel, and um, he's a big drinker. So I start. We sit down. We have dinner. I start drinking with him. Now it's like 2:33 in the morning, and I'm pretty drunk and, and just exhausted. We just flew in. I'm with my agent and stuff, and, and first night in the hotel, I, I, I go, I gotta get out of here. He doesn't speak any English. The owner, so I said, I, <laughs> I basically call. Paul Theophanis, please, uh, please, um, you know, tell him I'm, I'm just exhausted. So the first night I'm in, ho- in the hotel bed and, and I'm passed out finally, and I just hear this n- monster knock on my door. I'm like, come on, you got to be shitting me. First night, who the fuck's at my door, right? So I, I take, I look, at, and it's my agent. He's like, open the door. I'm like, no. I said, Paul, I'm going to sleep. I'm exhausted. So he goes, no, you have a couple presents. You have a present for you. And uh, so I opened it up in two dime pieces. And Nick, Nikolai says, the owner says, welcome to Russia. So, <laughs> I said, You're like, what a I league. What a league. I ain't fucking leaving. So, what a so, I found some, so I found some So I found some energy. Oh, I fucking, yeah. Hey, that got your legs feeling better, didn't it? Yeah, absolutely. We all got to experience uh, Uncle Scotty, also known as Scott Gomez. And, you know, he always had so much love for his Alaskan boys. And I just want to know what type of impact did he have on you and your career? Because, I mean, he was kind of one of the first ones out of Alaska to, to put his name on the map. I mean, he, he was, uh, I mean, as far as guys I looked up to coming out of Anchorage, Alaska, like everyone was like Scott Gomez. Like I remember being uh, like, I don't know, probably – grade six and or, or in middle school and going to watch Scotty Gomez play high school hockey. And everyone's like, you know, around the rinks watching this kid, like get the puck behind the ice or, or sorry, behind the net and skate all the way down the ice and score. You know, it was like, Oh, Scotty Gomez. And then, you know, as I got a little bit older, got drafted and everything, uh, I got to work out with him and, you know, obviously got to know him pretty well. And yeah, I mean, you guys know how Gomer is. He just, you know, he brings you in, you know, and he brought me in early and was like, you know, you're one of the boys and, you know, he's kind of always like, you know, been there for me always, you know, even now we still talk, talk all the time. He's one of my good buddies. And um, I mean, he, he was pretty much, I mean, we always say, I mean, he put Alaska on the map when it comes to hockey, you know, I mean, his career, and everything he did, um, you know, but the way he like, I remember um, when I was playing for the Islanders and he was playing the Rangers and, uh, it was like, a, it was like a defensive zone face off or something like that. And I, I had my stick a different way or something like that going to the face off. And he's like, fuck Nate, what are you doing? Turn your, you know, turn your hand over this way. Like, you know, he was like, he was like helping me out. I'm getting ready to take a face off against him, you know, like just shit like that, you know, but you guys know how Gomer is. He's fucking, he's a man and he's, uh, he's definitely got the gift of gab and, um, he uh yeah you know he's he is definitely one of a kind that's for sure Tom, there was there was no there was no one better i don't think in our era than skating the puck through the neutral zone than scotty gomez like even if he didn't like the the scoring like slump he went through montreal i was playing against him i think i was in tampa and i was like gomer didn't get any points but i'm like fuck he looked good out there like he was just he had the puck the whole game like you know what i mean tomer he looks so good and like you watch him like he when he when he would skate through the like all the way down the ice, like he never looked down. Like he's always head up like this, like never looked down once, you know, and he's got that little like 
you know, hop to his step as he's, you know, crossing <laughs> over, you know, and his, oh, his, his, knee, his, knee, oh, his knees are knocked in. And yeah, man, he was, uh, he was a hell of a player. He was, he was good. To watch. He, he was good for escrow. Eh? He was good you, for you know what else he was good at? He never <laughs> fucking. He never would touch the puck when he would skate up. It would. It would just float, and he would just stick handle over it. He would never <laughs> move it. It's crazy. You watch him. His stick would like stick handle on both sides, and he kind of fake here, fake there, but the puck would just like come with him. It It, it was a unique. Yeah, way. I actually got so, a yeah, unique he, way. I actually, Tomer, I got a fucking Scott Gomez story before we turn it back over to Broadway. First year in the fucking playoffs, we're playing Jersey. He's in there. Game whatever, four or five. I got him fucking down the ice, fucking fish hooking him, and I stick my finger in his fucking mouth, and he bit me. <laughs> I would have bit he, your fucking yeah, finger. Yeah, I was like, which taught me as a young guy. I'm like, I care for where you're putting your fingers, though. But Gomer just like, ah, took a bite right on my phone. I was like, fuck. He's like, don't put your fucking hand in my face. I was like, okay, Gomer, you got a good point. You got a good point. I'll tell you what I miss, Steger. I miss the fucking paychecks, bud. I'm not gonna lie. I miss yeah. the two. I miss the two weeks where you're fucking had a couple bad games, healthy scratch. You go in the locker, open it up. <laughs> All right, she's worth it, boys. <laughs> where are we going for lunch? But I'll take the ups and downs I, any day. I will. Yeah, I always had a goal after looking at my paycheck. Yeah, you know, exactly. I always came to play that. Except game for game. when you looked at the escrow, went you motherfuckers. Hey, remember we used to steal Soupy's paycheck? And <laughs> man, we'd slide, yeah, our, yeah. we'd slide ours in on in his envelope. <laughs> we'd take his, just leave free games yeah. straight with it. He'd be like, "What the fuck?" <laughs> oh, it's great. Like Stinger, you can't look at mine. Yeah, his checks, his checks would legit be like eight times more than at most oh, guys. Funny, I, I I took a look one day at Bobby Lou's halfway through my first year in Vancouver. I'm like, let me take a peek of that Lou. let me i was like fucking 250k or something i was like jesus reminds me of uh our time back at the spangler cup you <laughs> wanted to talk about the spangler cup with you steger do you remember it brought a we, twinkle to his eye you should have seen our bodies when we were done there i could barely walk <laughs> and steger your elbow was the size of a fucking grapefruit and your hip yeah. was hanging on by a thread. <laughs> I think you left her back in, yeah you left you left your hip back in toronto when you showed up to the spangler cup um, how's the body feel? Fuck, do you miss the game? What's what's going on? Are you enjoying the time with the family? I have I've only yeah, been on the ice I, actually I broke, one time. I broke my foot in the second period. Remember, I broke my uh, in the final my arch. Yeah, in the final. <laughs> so like he so broke I, the arch. It was, dude, like I couldn't step on my foot for two months. Uh, yeah, we left it all all out there. I remember we I was sure like, did. we got to go all out and win this thing. <laughs> Bugsy, man, you were one of my favorite teammates, buddy. I know we only had two months together. And you know what? It was probably good that we did, right? It was probably good that we only had two months together, brother. But I've said to Updog and Broadway on this show, listen, we've all played guilty. If I had one vote for the best guilty hockey player I've ever played with, it's you, brother. But the one story I think about Bugsy, it helped me out with this. Remember the preseason game in New York before we flying to Prague? <laughs> <laughs> so boys, we rolled the dice. We so boys, dice that night. Me and Bugsy, Bugsy just signed a we huge. We were playing. We didn't think we were playing. We just played like two or three exhibition games in a row. So we're like, we're, we get off the plane. In we a go row. to in a row. So we go to Razor, the, the the equipment guy. We're like, Razor, we're not playing anymore, right? It's an afternoon game at MSG. We're flying to Prague. He's like, No, it's not any real veterans. It's just the young guys. We're like, All right, fucking right. So we're not playing, Bugsy. So me, Bugsy. Mike Smith and Vinny LeCavier, we go out for dinner, and then they go home a little bit earlier. Me and Bugsy, we stay out, eh, Bugsy? Remember? <laughs> <laughs> and we, and the bucket on my head. 
And we get, uh, I get, I wake up, me and Bugsy, we get home, no lie, boys, probably seven in the morning, Bugsy, no lie. Like, we, 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 we thought we were I'm not a big time guy. <laughs> yeah. 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 Yeah, yeah. I'm trying to get used to European time zones. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so I wake up to but a text, I wake up to a text, hey, Bugsy, I wake up to a text from Mike Smith being like, you and Bugsy are in. And we're like, no, no. So, <laughs> There's no pregame. There's no pregame skate because afternoon game. Obviously, Bugsy, remember the pregame meal? <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean it's a little. I just remember going to the rink, same thing, seeing her name on the board, and then Mary Melrose like, "I need to talk to you." I'm like, "Oh shit!" Like, all right. And we're, I mean, we're buzzing pretty good still. And he brings me on the stands. He's like, "You know, I like what you're bringing to the table. Last exhibition games, but I need you to be more physical." And I'm like thinking, I just got done with the playoff series. I just played two other exhibition games right before this. And now I'm, you know, I'm pretty sussed up here. I'm going to play again. <laughs> and Obi, I hope we can find this clip oh, of you on the ice. <laughs> Obi. <laughs> Obi gets the puck in the exhibition game. We, Our whole team goes for a line change. <laughs> He's like at our blue line. <laughs> He goes behind our own net. <laughs> Time out. Time out. <laughs> oh man, I got. I mean, he has like thirty seconds. Thirty. I mean, thirty seconds. To move he's, he's telling all the fans at MSG, just go for a beer. I'm still gonna hold on to this puck behind the net. Oh, go take a piss. I'm just. I'm, Oh, and the Rangers get on the ice, and he he's behind the block, and he like fans on it, and the Rangers end up like running him over, and they, end up, they might have scored. I mean, Cole Marr, I mean, he's he's a tough guy, but he's not a one-on-one specialist. I think unfortunately they took it that night, and then it was kind of maybe the warning signs, the lights came on from oh, up top. Oh, oh man. Cole, Cole. Cold. No, I was still was, literally fucking. Uh, I was literally I, still. I just remember. <laughs> I was still shit faced oh, the first period, was, uh... Bugsy. I was like out there, like I'm still drunk. I'm like still drunk. <laughs> Cold Nor takes me wide, Bugsy. You, you sure it wasn't. You... Go ahead. You sure it wasn't an, uh, a night game? Because I remember I think Vinny in the morning is like, "Is this what it feels like?" I'm like, "What are you talking about? <laughs> this is like it feels like to be like buzzing on the ice." I go. Yeah, I was like, are those things moving around up there? I'm like, yeah. I'm like, I'm like, hey, boys. Buck Burger said, no one, no one time passes, hit the net, right? Skate hard, get off. Oh, <laughs> How about this Kucherov beauty, Big Greg? This fucking guy. I mean, like, what a fuck. We're missing last year, right? Like, <laughs> I mean, I want we we so me and Uppy when when Cooch first came out here, at Big Rig, we, he came out. They had a, a Russian agent that changed his name to Gary Greenstein, and it was uh, Miguel Grabowski, <laughs> fucking Kuliman, and then this kid comes out in lightning gear, and he's just throwing fucking sauce everywhere. Anyways, it's Kucherov, unbelievable player, but what a guy and like. I mean, how was he at that fucking state? I mean, he was I mean, he was feeling good right after the game, but just talk about him a bit, man. He seems like a guy that just fun to be around. Yeah, he's a hilarious human being. He's so funny. That too he is that you know, he gets he gets a little cocktails in him and he's even funnier. <laughs> no, he's he's just not 
he's just a beauty, man. He is one of a kind. Uh, just a really good guy, good teammate. And uh, they, so we did a funny. So we did a. The Russians always go go out to dinner by themselves, and so me and Killer one night, well, before the road trip, like, why don't you fucking ever ask us to go out with you guys? <laughs> like, oh, you don't like Russian food. Okay, we'll take us. So we were in Washington, and they took us to, uh, you know, this Russian dinner. So it was like pl- me, Killer. Uh, I forget who else was there. It was obviously the three Russians. Uh, I think Volkov was there, maybe. I forget who else was there. But it was like, they were like, okay, well, do you want the experience? We're like, yeah, we'll get the experience. It was just one shot after another <laughs> shot after another shot after another shot after another shot. Right. So this is what you fuckers do every night. It's <laughs> unbelievable. Keep it up. But the food was the food was unbelievable. Great food. The owner was even a better person. So it was. But that's who they are, though. They're just nice. He's a fucking. He's a one of a kind man. He's a beauty. Love you can sit down and have a conversation with him. He loves bullshit and you know, he loves every sport too. That's a beauty about him too. And uh but yeah, he's just a great teammate, great guy. Obi, Scoopsy, let's take a moment and talk about Aura. Aura Ring Boys has changed my view on uh how I act before I go to bed. I got to be honest that obes, I sit there sometimes looking at my, you know, that second glass of wine. And I think, is it worth this glass of wine tonight? Because it is proven in my world that if I only have one glass of wine after dinner, that I have an incredible sleep. And that means that my readiness score on my aura app and my sleep score, which I had an all time score this weekend, boys at 90, I had a 90 sleep score, which is incredible for me. But I sit back and I go, you know, that one glass of wine is probably the right uh, the right mode because I wake up, I feel fresh. My activity the next day is is done at higher levels. Um, I just am charged up. I feel better. My mood is better. Uh, I feel like, you know, I recharge, especially after a long Memorial Day weekend. I was able to sit there, boys, and uh, I had an incredible time. So uh, your rings are in the mail. Um, Aura, we thank Aura for... Um, hooking the boys at Missing Curfew up with three rings to really tell our story, our sleep story. I'm excited to see uh, what it does for you. Obviously. I'm excited for the mental and physical recovery because there's times, like, I'm pretty consistent throughout the week. Like, I go to bed 10, 10.30 every fucking day during the week unless something really pops up. But for me, some mornings, I feel really sluggish. Other mornings, I feel great. Like, I woke up last Friday morning feeling terrible, and it just didn't make sense to me. So I'm looking forward to getting all my information. Maybe it's what I'm eating the night before. Um, or what I've been drinking. So I'm looking forward to seeing that because I want to get that full recovery to wake up, feel my best because there's no better feeling than when you wake up in the morning being like, hey, oh, let's rock. So Obes, I got you the black, matte black ring, size 13. Fucking right. That is coming in the mail. Scoopsy on the other side in the East Coast. I got him a size 10. Not a, not a big finger, but not a small <laughs> finger. A size 10. Your average black, finger. Black silver. I think it's the black silver. That's the same one I wear. She's juice. Oh yeah! Um, can you open beer bottles with that? You got to be. That's able to- the big guy. The big guy can open them with. I can open a beer bottle with pretty much anything. I wouldn't. I wouldn't fuck with this. I always I, see married guys using their wedding ring, and I was like, "Well, that's probably one possible." You're like that, yeah, totally. <laughs> um, but both 
mental and physical recovery is key boys when it's uh when it comes to staying productive we all know that aura ring is designed to provide accuracy and comfort without compromise wear this thing wherever you want in the nightclub might have to wear it in vegas at the pool party wherever uh our aura packs advanced heart rate heart rate variability temperature activity and sleep monitoring sensors into a convenient non-evasive ring the aura ring comes in two styles four colors Silver black, stealth black, and the new limited edition heritage gold aura ring. From $299 to $399, you can give or get the gift of health by visiting AuraRing.com. And we thank Aura every day for waking up feeling fresh. 